0: Welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Lafera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 124th episode of the podcast airing December 13th, 2021. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back my special guest, astrologer and writer Gray Crawford, to join me once again for a year-ahead episode. Now, this time, we are here to tackle the astrology of 2022. And so Gray and I first give an overview rundown of the major planetary signatures that this coming year brings, along with how they play off of the continuing storylines that 2020 and 2021 brought to the forefront. We take a look at the movement of the nodes and eclipses moving to the Taurus-Scorpio axis. We look at Jupiter moving through Pisces and Aries, the lingering effects of the Saturn and Uranus square, and the retrogrades of Mercury, Venus, and Mars. We only made it through the first half of the year in our seasonal play-by-play, which we do after our initial overview, but we do promise to be back mid-year to do a more detailed treatment of July through December of 2022. And just a P.S., for those of you who like looking at charts, there will be a YouTube version of this broadcast as well, so you can get a visual along with our commentary. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done through my site over at energeticprinciples.com. And bonus, from now until January 1st, I am offering 10% off of my year ahead reading, also known as Future Vibes, in the name of good holiday cheer. So all you have to do is book before January 1st, type in the code NEWYEAR10 at checkout and you'll be good to go. Now also just a quick mention before we get started here that if you haven't signed up for my newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, click on the link in the description of this podcast or on my website to get the monthly planetary tea sent right to your inbox. And it's really the only email I send, I promise, and uh, you won't regret it. All right. So who is ready to hear all about the astrology of 2022? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. It's that it's that time of year again, the end of the year, where I bring Gray Crawford on to join me in the year ahead episode. Thanks for joining me again, Gray.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk about 2022. Two.
0: 2022 can you even bl- I don't know where 2021 went
1: a good question
0: it, it blew away with the wind it uh it was here one moment it was gone the next I feel like I attribute that maybe to the nodes stellin the mutable <laughs> signs of Gemini and Sagittarius where it feels like time just flew by um, but so much has changed right if you look at the beginning of January versus here in December now Uh, I don't know about you, Gray. Uh, Well, maybe I do know (laughs) about you, but life has changed completely, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really um, what we would have expected for this year was just great, great amount of change, and that is what we can expect for next year as well. It's just (laughs) going to keep uh, changing. um, Yeah, even even more so going further into the changes already happening.
0: Yeah, we are. We are tumbling further into, you know, I feel like we're like tumbleweeds where, you know, we are the tumbleweeds, not stopping it's rolling. It's going to keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And we are just rolling with it basically at this point, which is interesting because that's what, you know, people say about life. The one thing you, the one constant is that it always changes. And you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But sometimes life changes at different speeds. (laughs) You know, because there's the small changes, there's the big changes. And it seems like this whole last couple of years and this year ahead in 2022 are these really big life changes that are taking place.
1: Yeah. And we can see if you anyone that looks ahead to coming transits later in this decade, there's even more change. You know, it's, it's we're just we're sort of accelerating into like things where, yeah, it's a time where things are completely changing everywhere on, you know, from the microscopic to macro cosmic, you know, just like big societal collective, um, as well as personal. So there's a lot of, um, mirroring going on with that, just total dismantling of old structures and systems and and new things emerging and changing.
0: Yeah. And it it really speaks to your, your personal makeup at this point. Right. Or, you know, like, are you one of those people that Roll, they're, they're always waiting for change. Like, bring me the change. I'm restless. Let's go. Or are you one of those people that are like, I have been sitting in the same place since 1962. <laughs> I don't want to move. I'm picking on my mom right now, but you know, like they're, they're it just, I don't know. It's how easy this is for people seems to be <laughs> based on, you know, how well do you roll with the punches? How well are you able to change? But I think even the people that are most like like unwilling to change not even unwilling just haven't even had like motivation to for whatever reason and i fall into that you know the boat of people i've been in the same house for 17 years and now i'm looking at moving you know like it's just i guess it's one of those things where it's just time right you know they say what happened what's changing why are you doing this it's just time and you and you feel that happening
1: yeah definitely
0: so, well, what, uh, before we get started here, you know, just in case you're new to the podcast or you're watching this broadcast on YouTube, cause we will be doing a, um, sharing some charts and stuff. So a, a visual could be helpful, especially for some of these longer broadcasts, but just in case you are not aware of gray, gray, give us a quick little background on yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm an astrologer who lives in Olympia, Washington. I have a website called graycrawford.net, where I write uh, regularly about kind of what's just going on with transits and astrology, especially always the new moon, full moon. I do natal astrology. I do horary astrology. I have a Patreon that if you're interested in supporting my work, you can join. And right now there's one monthly meeting on there that I do around the crescent light after each new moon and um might be adding some more to what i'm doing with that in the coming year but that's what it's at now and sometimes i'm offering classes and i speak out in the community too sometimes and you can check my site for that kind of thing
0: oh and you will be speaking at conference later in 2022 right
1: oh yeah i'm going to be at esar yeah. yeah in late august i believe
0: yeah So I can attest to Gray's teaching skills. (laughs) I've definitely studied with him on a few occasions and definitely check out his work. Um, But yeah, so, all right, well, we got so much to tackle here uh, for 2022. I figured we'll do a astrology podcast style um, and I'll share share the chart real (laughs) quick for when we started talking here. Um, We are recording this. December 8th, 2021, Wednesday, we started at 1 36 PM while well, here in San Diego, but gray's over there in Olympia, Washington. Uh, yeah, what do we, we got lots of stuff going on in the sky as we're recording this because obviously we're inching ever closer to the last Saturn Uranus square. We got Venus and Pluto meeting in the skies and Mars just squaring Jupiter, um, and, and what, and more, more, so many things going on, uh, Aries ascendant.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, I was, I was just noticing personally is my Chiron's right on the ascendant and my Venus is nearby. So I think that's, uh, I'm happy about that.
0: He's happy about that. Well, the moon's right on my IC, so I'm feeling at home with this, (laughs) with my intuition and this conversation, we'll see how it goes there. Um, but yeah, I thought that would be fun. So there it is. That's the chart we're doing this under. So, all right. Well, let us get into a little bit of an overview of 2022, just before we get into the seasonal quarters and, you know, the ingress charts, et cetera. It's like, what can we expect from 2022? Uh, Gray, what's your first thing that you're like, okay, this is big, big happenings next year.
1: As far as like transit skill, you mean yeah.
0: Which, like what do
1: we really mean? Med- yeah, I mean, I think um, like we were talking about it's a it's a lot of change and embracing sort of flux, fluidity, formlessness, and but also obviously we're gonna be bringing things into form, but there needs to be sort of an embrace of working with things, disintegrating and changing, and being curious about that and exploring that. And that can be seen with um, I mean, we, we enter the year Venus is retrograde um, and then Mercury goes retrograde soon after. We end the year, Mars is retrograde, Mercury goes retrograde. retrograde yeah. So the, the beginning of the year is Venus retrograde, Mercury retrograde. The end of the year is Mars retrograde, Mercury retrograde. There's actually four Mercury retrogrades, but the last one is, is more in 2023. It just stations at the very end of 2022. But technically Mercury stations retrograde four times. Yeah, Venus retrograde, Mars retrograde, bookends the year. Um, and in between, the major things are the Jupiter-Neptune yeah. cycle coming in really strong, Jupiter-Neptune conjunction that later in the year comes into contact with the Mars retrograde and Gemini.
0: Yep. <laughs> and
1: then um, Jupiter also going into Aries for a little bit, coming back to Pisces. So it's a clear, we're leaving Saturn, Jupiter in Aquarius time, Jupiter in Pisces, Jupiter in Aries, Jupiter going back and forth across the zero Aries point. True. Um, and then the other major thing is the nodes changing. So north node going into Taurus and, um, South node into Scorpio. Um, the mean calculation happens before we get to 2022 and the true node calculation happens pretty early in 2022. So that one's very clear and that then involves eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio, the North node coming to Uranus in Taurus with eclipses on Uranus, and then the nodes also then squaring Saturn. So Saturn and Aquarius squaring the South node in Scorpio, the North node in Taurus with Uranus and Taurus. Um, and then there's a missing piece in Leo, which will get filled in during the year, but yeah, very strong emphasis on Aquarius, Scorpio, Taurus. Um, but I think that missing Leo piece is something to think about too.
0: I absolutely, when I got to Leo season, I was like, hmm, you know, it just it seemed like almost a missing piece of the puzzle that was filling in all like the T square action after the T square kind of um has already introduced itself. It like fills in, like you said, the gaps. So I think Leo season will be especially yeah. interesting. So that's particular.
1: why the, the reason I'm saying so much change is because we have, you know, all those retrogrades, Venus, Mars, Mercury. We have Uranus coming into contact with the North node with eclipses on Uranus, you know, squaring Saturn. That's huge change. And then Jupiter conjunct Neptune and Pisces is um, just sort of a massive underlying change happening underneath all, you know, as part of all of this. So it's, it's, it's really, um, yeah, it's a lot of change.
0: (laughs) It's it's lots of change. It's very big. Um, well, and it's interesting to think about because one of the defining factors of 2022 is actually the lingering of the Saturn-Uranus square because they don't actually meet again. You know, they make their final pass at the end of December, and then they just stay in close proximity mm-hmm. um, close enough. And they get really close, actually, yeah, really at different, t- different yeah. times yeah. of 2022. But it's interesting to think about now how these planets are in these very activating positions with the nodes. Um, So they've already done their tension and introducing, uh, you know, in 2021, but these kind of the the destined shifts or the destined uh, shifts that lead to some sort of restabilization or destabilization to restabilize, uh, that seems to be yeah, it's, it's much more aligned with the eclipses and the nodal story, um, this year. And so I find it interesting, like, even though they don't meet again, they're talking through these really, you know, kind of fateful points of the nodes. Um, and they get their voice through that, you know, through not even just the eclipses, eclipses of course, but, um, yeah, just the, just the nodal action there. And so, and it's interesting yeah. too, because it first starts, Before we even get to the Taurus, um, you know, the Taurus uh, Scorpio nodal shift, we have Jupiter. When Jupiter moves into Pisces, is going to be at the bendings of the nodes on January third. So it's like we get one last, you know, larger planetary uh, emphasis. So there's that Jupiter node action first. First things first, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, and what's
1: also interesting is. Yeah, using the true node, but then when you're using the mean calculation, which is like the average motion of the nodes, you know, some years the true node will will enter, will change signs first. This year it's the mean nodes mean node, changing yeah. first. And that actually happens basically right at the, I think it's like a day after the solstice. So as soon as we, like that will actually happen kind of like right in tandem with, right before Jupiter goes into Pisces. But you're right, using the true nodes, um, when Jupiter goes into Pisces, it's, it's squaring the nodes right away. But that whole transition, it's like squaring the nodes from really either calculation, like the last part of, uh, yeah, Jupiter getting last part of, um, Jupiter. And cause like, from the mean perspective, it would already be squaring the nodes like exactly as it moves into, as it moves into Pisces. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very interesting. It's like Jupiter is going into Pisces, like squaring the nodes. And um, that, you're right, definitely brings a big focus to Jupiter right away. And um, I think that speaks to what is the, um, you know, what can Jupiter help us with in terms of the year ahead for how do we times, you know, get out of, how do we step back from whatever difficult situation we're in or stress or anxiety related to some specific thing happening right then to keep in mind this, this bigger picture and larger vision of um, what's taking shape with, um, within all of these changes. Um, because that is really what Jupiter is going to be um, offering this year. And, and, and while it's squaring the nodes, you know, it's Jupiter has been ruling that South, node of Sagittarius and yes. we've already been having all these eclipses in Sagittarius with the south node in, in Sagittarius and part of the year was Ted Jupiter and Pisces for that and so um, there's already been something activating that you know just as 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 far as like an archetypal meaning of Sagittarius and we're you know one of the things associated with Sagittarius is having vision inspired vision of meaning for what you want to do and and especially in terms of like seeing something more so that a little bit more so than pisces it's you know it's like kind of like fiery you know spirited pull you know over the horizon to what's beyond um whereas pisces is a little bit more the um inner journey inner exploration which i think in in that terms, um, is, is another big theme of the year is no matter what's going on out in the world and whatever sort of, um, chaos is going out there, you know, paying attention to, you know, what is that inner chaos going on? And especially in terms of what can be created out of that. And, um, there's a, there's a there could be profound inner journeys with, with Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces. Um, but then in terms of the nodal switch that happens with this, it's making me think about Scorpio, South Node, all of this accumulated grief and emotional stuff and all these power dynamics and power battles and corruption and manipulation. There's all this material up and the South going into Scorpio makes me think a lot about how are we going to be you know, collectively and personally processing um, all this material, you know, transmuting it um, into Taurus, um, which um, I think is really going to necessitate and goes well with Jupiter going into Pisces, um, okay. slowing down because Jupiter and Pisces is, is more the slow internal Jupiter, more so than like, you know, the fast outward Sagittarius Jupiter right um and Taurus can if if we're if we're working to slow things down and process things um, with the Taurus side of the north node as it's coming to Uranus we're also talking about Taurus Taurus can create boundaries Taurus can create forms you know when Taurus, and especially when Taurus is open to change and it's been there's we're, TARS has already been activated by Uranus so much wherever you have TARS in your charts. And now it's going to have even more coming in because like the North node there. And so it's, it's kind of forcing changes in a sign and placement. Sometimes I can, sometimes TARS has a reputation of not wanting to change. I mean, it's really good at building something solid and maintaining that. Um, but so it's a, I think it's a process of, of engaging that side of it and, um, being really willing to process all of this Scorpio material. I think that the shadow side would be, you know, these power, the Scorpio shadow side, you know, can be with power, instead of like transmuting stuff and having compassion for people and, um, you know, working compassion for where people are wounded and really working on that and helping people process and being like a companion and ally through you know, the sort of under collective and personal underworld journey where we've all been on Scorpio can turn, you know, manipulative and, you know, power, you know, there's like that side. And then likewise, Taurus can swing to like a overly materialistic, Mm. you know, and kind of shutting things down a little bit and not wanting to look at things under the surface. So um, that's why I think, yeah, there's an importance in yeah, being open to, processing all of that and working with those changes happening.
0: Yeah, there's, um, it's, so well, it's so interesting thinking about, for me, thinking about the mean node versus the true node within this and how we can actually do a little, uh, I love experiments, right? You know, like the Gemini, Scorpio. <laughs> in me i'm like let's do some investigation here because we know this jupiter uh energy at the beginning of the year is going to trigger the you know the the journey start we're going to start to feel into the shift of the scorpio and the taurus that you're talking about um but it'll be interesting to think of when jupiter squares the nodes if you feel it more you know around december 27th with the Aquarius. Uh, Taurus Scorpio vibe, or if it's more around the third where you pick up that Pisces um, Gemini Sagittarius vibe, or if it's actually both, where at the end of December, which there's a lot going on at the end of December, that's not just that meeting of the you know the square of the nodes. Um, if there's like an introductory Jupiter moment at the end of Aquarius and then an, um, and then a kind of wrapping up. In some way of the other nodal uh, story in the beginning of January, just a few days later. So I don't know if you're one of those nerdy people who like to research the very specifics of astrology. This is one of those good uh, moments in the skies to kind of like gauge what you feel around two different points, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying, Gray? This is like a- no, it does.
1: I I actually in for the last um, I don't know. At least decade or so. I've, I've tried to pay attention to when this happens. I, I remember last time it was that when they went to Gemini, Sagittarius, if I'm remembering right, it was the Truna that switched first. And I was trying to pay attention to that. And I was like, well, I feel like, you know, you can be Aussie project into that. But I kind of felt like oh, something's kind of changing. So Seems like as soon as one of them goes, like there's some kind of change happening. And then there's like a, there'll be an interesting little window where there's a difference between the two. Two,
0: Yeah. Like that, almost like that little liminal space where you're like, you got the one foot in one and one in the other, but it's so interesting having Jupiter uh, just square it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So there's (laughs) definitely something
1: there about coming in strong. Yeah. mm -hmm. But it it makes me think sort of like, um, I guess what I was saying, even like. With Taurus and the North node switching to that, you know, and no matter what's going on in the world, you know, where you're living, if you have some degree of resources, you know, you can construct like a, like the idea of like constructing like a a beautiful garden for yourself, you know, if if you're able to do that where you live, you know, just like what can you, you know, in your world sort of create you know, um, the North and, and and because Taurus can get physical and and get in the body and in your personal sphere, actually like put something together, you know, it's, it's going to still be opening, needing to be open to change, but it will be a shift to Venus ruling that North node.
0: Well, that's a, that's a great point because, you know, like having the North node ruled by Mercury, who is, uh, has that duality function, is always on the go, is always on the move, is always busy, is like entertaining a lot, juggling a lot. Um- and, and living in those two spaces, you know, you think of him as the psychopomp that lives below and can transfer up to the top. You know, there's just a lot of like, there's a lot with Mercury. It's <laughs> always a lot going on versus Venus where Venus. I mean, she's doing her own thing, obviously with, especially uh, starting the year with her retrograde and having done so on Pluto, et cetera. But, um, you know, she's a little more laid back. She's a little more uh, in tune with with what she like, what she wants. The creative process, um, the luxuries of life, the uh, and also balance and uh, equality and, and justice related things. You know, it's just a it's a different vibe completely. And of course, her going through each of her signs it will dictate how that North Node energy is felt. Um, but I think. Uh, that difference from a mercurial nodal, you know, forward journey versus a, a Venusian one is going to be market.
1: <laughs> and there's something real important where right? when we go into this shift here, um, who's waiting in Taurus for the north node? It's Ceres retrograde in Taurus, and where is Venus? Venus is retrograde in Capricorn mm. with Pluto, so that's a very obvious um, correlation with the story of um, Demeter, Ceres, Persephone, Corée. Um And one thing it makes me think of relates really what we were, just, we were just talking about with like Capricorn. And because the other thing, the, the thing that really is super dramatic besides this is the Venus retrograde. The Venus, Venus is, she's stationing, I think December 19th. So right before the solstice, she stations retrograding Capricorn with Pluto. And so the whole first part of the year has that Venus in Capricorn, but that means when the nodes switch, which you know, depends a little bit which calculation we're using, but then we, we go into that North node with it being ruled in Taurus, with it being ruled by Venus retrograding Capricorn near Pluto, especially when we're using the mean node. Um, and so one thing that, again, makes me think about is like with Taurus and Capricorn, is boundaries, boundaries of containment, how do we construct boundaries to, to let things in what, what can be let in, um, what, what, not, not like we're so shut down or, because you, you don't want to go too far to be like, so shut down, you're not letting anything in, but how do you also create, um, the space, the time, um, for, you know, timelessness and spaciousness and creating the boundaries you need? Um, Within relationships. Um, so you're both getting the support you need, you're also creating space and containers for to um work with this really deep material is going to be coming up. Um and that that story of Demeter or Ceres with you know Hades, Pluto, Persephone, Prosopina, Corey, whichever names you want to use for them. Um it's a story that, you know, that's sort of it's 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 the Demeter is linked to bringing both being the, the goddess of abundance and harvests, but also she brought the mysteries and the mysteries. Some of the mysteries were very specifically connected to that story. Um, the mysteries were you know collective rituals of um, initiation um, and being you know at night, you know like Persephone, um, you know carrying like the torches to like illuminate the night and we're, we're in this collective time of like, you know, crossroads mystery um, needing to have the space for the grieving and working with it. Um, I don't know the, all those themes, I think it's very interesting that that's all there, you know, and then series is actually going to station direct not long after that in, uh, in January where, sh- where she'll station direct and then be kind of right with the, with the North node basically. Um
0: there in yeah, mid January. That's an interesting mm-hmm. point, though, to that kind of nighttime walk and and looking at you know and going to those deeper parts of ourselves because you know mm-hmm. when we're thinking about uh, Taurus and Scorpio and these being the uh, uh, you know kind of feminine. Signs ruled by night planets, you know, like versus our more outgoing Gemini, Sag energy that we just went through. And the fact that these are fixed signs and, you know, fixed places in our charts are usually the most, uh, as they, as they say, fixed, you know, like these are like what, where we hold things down or where we more, a little bit more rigid or want more structure there already have structure, etc. And so when we have to access these deeper places that are very rooted within our nature, um, it does take that inward journey. It does take that nighttime walk where we have to address things that are not surface level. Um, and that like can pull down to very deep parts of ourselves, especially with all the Uranian action, as you pointed out earlier, that's been happening in Taurus. Like we have already been navigating this area, but this is, that was, um, like this is the uprooting like this year will bring like the full excavation <laughs> where, you know, the, it'll just uh, in Uranian fashion, kind of get that volatile nature that will explode it, which is good. Cause we, you know, a lot of times we need release around things that are very buried and they take some time to get to. So uh, like, you know, look at those areas of your chart and especially if you're like someone like me that has those on, you know, the angles, if you have fixed angles, um, or for the Scorpio and Taurus, uh, risings, you know, this will be, a, a, a probably pretty impactful and it's going to be impactful for everyone, of course, but, uh, that switch, well, you're a mutable rising. So, uh, how was, yeah. how was, uh, Gemini and Sag eclipses and no doubt action for you? Like-
1: yeah. So for me, lots of change happening. And for me personally, so much change happening. I've been Focus mostly on processing and inner processing and relating and not being very um externally productive. Yeah. Um and so for me, I'm hoping that I mean, and I think it also depends on what stages of processes you've been in. For me, I'm hoping that this shift is more about then becoming more um productive um and so for me it's also been a, a nodal opposition besides being very mutable my nodes are in gemini sagittarius my moon so um
0: yeah i don't know very... opposition <laughs> no,
1: north node on my moon. my moon's on my south node but it's like been yeah north yeah. Node on my moon and my south node transiting
0: yeah so having yeah. having all that angular Um, in a couple different ways, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. you know, it just becomes, all my,
1: all my angles are mutable. My mercury's on an angle mutable. So, yep.
0: Yeah. So Jupiter is on an angle,
1: mutable. <laughs> <in beautiful>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it tests to the fact that when the nodes come your way, especially if you have the nodes in those signs too, if you're uh, reaching a nodal return or a reverse nodal return, you know, you can expect it to be a big year for you where, as they say, the, the wheel changes, you know, and, uh, and that's just the, the nature of life. But I find it very interesting that we start the year with Jupiter at the at the bendings of the nodes mm-hmm. um regardless of whether we look at that mean or true or whatever the fact that we're getting activation there because that's kind of how 2021 started too with jupiter making a uh, square to uranus first before saturn was introduced to um do the three part dance uh so there was this jupiterian component where some you know the pathway opened up uh you know the vision was followed upon And then Saturn and Uranus, uh, well, then Saturn came into the picture. And so it's kind of like that with the nodes too. It's like Jupiter gives us this introductory uh, hit with the nodes. um, And then we move to the time where Saturn is going to square the nodes actually at the same time, around the same time that Jupiter is going to sextile the nodes in mid April. So we get that activation in the first part of the year uh, for the nodes, but then the Saturnian component mixed with some Jupiter help um, will be in that April zone in the in the first couple of weeks of April uh, to then move on to obviously Uranus conjuncting the North Node, which we're going to feel for a good amount of time because, you know, these the obviously Uranus moves slow, but sometimes the nodes can move very slow too. There are times when the nodes only move like one degree every couple months, depending on where it is in its, um, in, in the path. Uh, but that's going to happen at, at least for our true nodes, uh, status at the end of July on July 31st. And so we're going to feel that in between, um, you know, the summer months of just uh, you know, that Uranus north node component. So what do you think about that, Gray? Kind of like this incremental Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus with the nodes.
1: Yeah, um, it's going to, yeah, I mean, it's going to get much stronger as we go, like you're saying. But I think right away, once the nodes switch, there's something to be said for this is already happening. And so it's, it's, it's not really like the Saturn Uranus we're already used to. It's the same themes that's already been going on. It's, it's going to just be sort of um, ramped up in a way and especially that Uranian component. So maybe even more on the unrest and dismantling and disruptions and wanting the things to change things that have been stuck changing Saturn will still be wanting to like, you know, slow things down at times, but Saturn's not going to be is going to be in less of a position to be really like shutting everything, everything down. Um, it's it's gonna Saturn's gonna need to be opening up with Aquarius. Um and things and I, I think what I like about the Taurus and also starting here with like the Capricorn emphasis to um is that there, there needs to be this way to sort of ground. So, you know, the, the, the Aquarian energy is, is great for like the vision and um, seeing how things can be taken apart and fragmented and decentering enough and to figure out, you know, where to go. Um, but you don't want to also get too up in the air, too airy, yeah. too up in your head too lost in the metaverse, so to speak, and all that stuff going on um with like social media stuff and like meta. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um all that stuff. Um you know because like virtual reality stuff has been building for a while and it's always made sense. And many astrologers have mentioned, you know, well that Jupiter Neptune conjunction in Pisces seems pretty lined up for that stuff to start happening and so it's not really surprising. We can hear more people talking about more of that stuff now, but you know, yes, yeah, staying, staying more, staying more grounded to work with, um, work with the innovative changes. Um, I think the thing that's really interesting that we haven't mentioned yet about this beginning of the year is at the, at the very end of twenty. 21, you know, Mercury is in Capricorn and it's around the 29th of December. Mercury forms a conjunction with um Venus. And I think it's December 30th. Mercury conjoins Pluto. Yeah. And that's also Mercury cross. What's also happening then is Mercury is crossing into you know the retrograde shadow zone because Mercury is going to ultimately come back. Um, it's going to go into Aquarius a little bit in January. Um, it's going to station, um,
0: I think on the 14th.
1: Okay. Thank you. Yeah. It's going to station retrograde on the 14th at about 10 degrees of Aquarius. So it's going to go about 10 degrees into Aquarius station retrograde, basically squaring Uranus. It's going to go into Aquarius to like set off the Uranus tars. Oh yeah, great. You have it there. Yeah. Um, and then, then it's going to go retrograde and it's going to come back and conjoin the sun once we get ahead to like the aquarius um aquarius season and aquarius period of time once the sun goes into aquarius it will form the inferior conjunction pretty early aquarius so fairly close to that jupiter saturn yeah. conjunction period and then it'll, but then it'll go back into capricorn and it will end up stationing directly later with pluto and this is the theme of all of the Mercury retrogrades this year, except for the final one that is really more of a, you know, it's barely a 2022 retrograde. Um, the first one, Mercury stations in Aquarius, goes back to Capricorn. The second one, Mercury stations in Gemini, comes back and joins the sun early, like zero Gemini, goes back to Taurus. The third one, station retrograde in Libra comes back, conjoins the sun like zero Libra right on the equinox, goes back into Virgo. And at the very end of the year, it'll be all Capricorn Earth. So where we we last year was Mercury retrograde in all air signs. Um, this year we're in a um, an elemental shift from Mercury being retrograde in air signs to earth signs. And then next year we'll have them in earth signs. So there's an interesting thing where um Mercury's not going to station retrograde like conjunct Saturn when that happens, um, but it will be in Aquarius. So there's an interesting thing where the very first Mercury retrograde right away, we're sort of getting this interesting interplay with that where it's, yeah, it's, it's squaring, it's squaring the Uranus. Um, and then it's, it's going to go back to Capricorn and, and, and get involved with the sort of the same material that Pluto and Venus has already been, been stirring up but, yeah and that and that transition <laughs> from air to earth i think is interesting because um it again speaks to the need to keep moving with we're in this like air age right all, all the jupiter saturn conjunctions now in air signs you know which was announced by that jupiter saturn conjunction at zero aquarius and air is all about, you know, rapid changes and, and flux and that we're really moving into that this year, but then the Mercury retrograde is like having us work with that, but then how do we make that weird shift from like air um, back to earth, which they have nothing in common when we, when we, if we, if we use the framework of um, air signs being hot or warm and moist, earth signs being cold and dry, there's no common ground um between them those elements and so um the, there's something really it's sort of like a magical process right to, to work with that kind of shift back and forth and there's, so there's something really interesting about mercury helping us with this like kind of air age but how do we you know get back to the earth and, and actually work with our boundaries and our containers and our structures and how do we how do we open those up and change and move with what's happening
0: yeah, but and well, and I they they don't have anything in common. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like it's kind of a blessing to have the retrogrades with this component because it's when we think of air, we think of possibilities, and when we think of earth, we think of practicalities, and so sometimes we start with po- tons of possibilities. Um, and we have to get back to the practicalities of it. And so it makes me wonder when you have ideas or visions, or you're coming up with, um, you know, all the speculation and it's all in the head or the blueprint or what we see in our minds. And then how do we, uh, you know, translate that to the real world, just pretty much what you're saying. But Mercury helping us put those, you know, perceptive pieces of the puzzle together. So we can start out with the vision and, and get to the point of the, 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 practicalities of actually manifesting it, if it should be manifested, if it can be manifested or what else does it need there? And when we were talking about earlier about um, Saturn having to kind of uh, open up a little bit more, especially with such an Uranian influence that's coming and having the nodes there too, it makes me think uh, also of the limitations of vision. Um, and how, when we think we have it ideally exactly in our head and a lot of times how we see it in our head is not the, uh, same perfection as form and, um, being able to be flexible enough, knowing that it doesn't have to be exactly how we see it. Uh, it can start to mold and shape in just a different way when we actually implement it in in the real world reality um and so that was kind of some one of the things that came to mind with that and and i think it's fascinating too with you pointing out the fact that mercury we start the year basically um right before 2022 starts we have that uh venus mercury and pluto conjunction all together obviously giving us a foreshadow to the early february which will have uh mercury then station direct on Pluto to kind of recharge that story or to, to um, you know, like uh, give the next piece of puzzle to that. And at the end of the year with the, the final retrograde, that's really about 2023, uh, the three of them meet again to have Mercury then conjunct on Pluto. So it, it's almost like there's something about the beginning of this year that then wherever it's picked up by the end of the year it'll be revisited once again, um, in a different shape, in a different form, learning from what we've known so far, what we manifested and, uh, being worked on even further. Cause you know, it's like,
1: no, <laughs> yes, and I, did, I did notice that's interesting. So yeah, like the year begins with Venus and Mercury kind of near Pluto. And then the year basically ends
0: with the three with of Venus, them all together, <laughs> with Venus and Mercury with
1: Pluto. So yeah, you're right that it it's sort of it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting.
0: It's it's interesting, especially with the idea of where, how you came into this podcast. And the first thing you said is the element of change Um, and uh, being open and receptive to that under understanding it, working it out mentally, uh, talking about it, you know, having serious conversations with, uh, you know, in, in society with our loved ones, et cetera, of how things are changing. I know that's a, That's probably going to be a, I imagine a lot of serious conversations happening at the end of 2021 (laughs) that will lead us into what's next for 2022.
1: Um, Yeah. So the, with, I guess, should we talk a little bit about the Venus retrograde more? or um i'm not Um, sure let's talk
0: a little bit more about venus retrograde when we go into january but before we we've done a lot of uh foreshadowing but i did want to talk about because we had an interesting point before we got onto recording about the uh uranus north node conjunction Okay. Um, that's happening and cause it doesn't happen every day, obviously, uh, and it doesn't happen every day in Taurus either. Um, so it'd be kind of fun to just kind of go through, um, that kind of energy. So just to, just to sum it up the last time, uh, Uranus met, uh, the North node just in general, not, not necessarily, in Taurus was Dang. in 2007 um, in uh, March 2007 uh, then it was November 1991 September 76 September 61 just to go back a little bit and Gray and I were noticing some fascinating uh, kind of musical <laughs> switches that were going on um, during those time periods, like they were very transitional spaces for innovative music kind of coming out and changing, uh, the trends of, um, you know, kind of entertainment and, and things along those lines. So how do we, how do we, we so eloquently said it before we got on.
1: <laughs> well, if we go all the way back, we said 1961 was Uranus conjunct North node and Leo, obviously massive civil rights ha- things happening and lots of things that was the introduction to the 1960s, but just in terms of music, um, rock and roll and um, the way that rock and roll came in um, as part of cultural change, I guess.
0: Yeah. Cause that's what really over-
1: got, really started getting going then even, even more. I mean, it was already happening, but it, it started um, breaking out on, massive more massive levels where it's like and because that's what we're talking about here. It's we're talking about these more like big collect collective shifts. So musically that was one um emphasis as well as like folk music and soul music. Yeah, soul music. Well
0: um, and you think about folk music, Gray, the fact that uh well okay folk and soul music because folk music usually they were uh you know singing about a message. Sing about a message of change, of, of mm-hmm. like a political uh, movement, and same with soul. You know, uh, people that had messages of repression and, and letting that out through through the music, um, and, and and then just the like the Beatles and the Stones starting at that time too. That was going to usher in the whole rock and roll uh, revolution with this conjunction happening in Leo. You know, <laughs> like they're the expressive Leo. Uh, there so sorry to cut you off i was like got, oh, i got inspired by that yeah yeah
1: no don't. and then jump into next one is 1976 right in scorpio
0: yeah and
1: so this is an interesting one because well there's obviously people born in on the planet right now with a 1961 one but um the uh 76 one in scorpio is interesting because I just I know I, I mean I just know a lot of people born this year in this time period, but um obviously now we're in north node, Uranus and Taurus. So it's opposite, it's the same mm-hmm. signs. And yeah. and we also have the phenomenon of Saturn squaring them. But at this time period it was Saturn and Leo squaring the nodes, right? With the North Node and Scorpio and Uranus. Now we have Saturn and Aquarius squaring the same nodes, but Uranus and the North Node are in Taurus. Um, so massive time period for these people, just because they're already, you know, dealing with their Saturn opposition and their oh, Uranus true. opposition and their nodal opposition
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all together. Um, and if you know people born this time, like that's happening for sure. Um, and, but yeah, this would be, um, I mean, one thing you had an interesting point about this, but I mean, the one thing that makes me obviously thinking, think of is, um, is punk rock, um, already happening at this point, but getting more, more together and more, more like taking form. Like, like punk was already happening, but it was, it was getting more and more together established and and punk is very Uranian in, in terms of being, um, against, um, the status quo, um, also being very Uranian form of like forming a group identity and, and people then sort of like will conform to like people like, well, I'm a punk. And this means I'm going to look a certain way or talk the certain way or play music a certain way. Or there's a whole kind of code of behavior, aesthetics, identity that kind of like uh, form around that. Yeah. Um, and well, it, if- it can also be part of, of, of resistance mm-hmm. or, or resistance, um, a movement to something.
0: Well, and it was also considered very taboo as well, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about like just all dressing like all in black or it being risque or tattoos and piercings and, you know, just all those things that are very Scorpionic (laughs) to begin with, you know, when we think about Uranus and Scorpio and then that square from Saturn and and Leo there. But it was it was an in-between year where just music in general was changing um, there was, and it wasn't just punk too. It was, you know, hard rock was kind of moving to, uh, that's the year, a lot of proto metal bands would start, come out. And we know that eighties had a big metal streak to it. And so the, the move to, uh, more metal, uh, and especially like the, uh, heavy, uh, British heavy metal, you know, things along those lines kind of started then it was also when funk started to transition to more disco, And, uh, taking more of that, um, uh, you know, d- dance and nightlife in a whole different direction, of course, and the punks did not like people that, you know, they wanted to burn all disco. So that's kind of funny that there's still that rivalry there because, um... but yeah, so I guess the point is, is that we're seeing so far when we get Uranus with the North Node is that we're seeing this transitional space that is a changing of the guard in so in, in like an in individual expression, but also communal expression um, based on individuals coming together within these these new forms. And that continues on because the next time- Yeah,
1: I'd like, you had made another point about that. I thought was good that you, you sort of said with a proto, but you were saying that sort of like, almost like the, uh, of the old, it was almost like it just got so big, even like the stadium.
0: Yes, because, well, and-
1: So yeah, that's it's an interesting transition was... time that we're kind of, like the old thing's getting so blown up, but then there's something, but it's kind of over in a way. But it's still happening, but it's really big. But then there's something new coming in.
0: Well, because if you think about it, it's like you think about like stadium rock and and I mean, stadium rock continued on through the yeah. late 70s, early 80s. But as they got in, as it got so big and really impersonal, right, when you think about things mm-hmm. like punk or even like disco when you're at the club or whatever, um, this is like face to face. Like if you go to a punk show and like growing up and I know, Gray, you were in that scene, too, where you go to these small shows that are really intimate in nature and, you know, the people that are around you and and the band isn't on a huge uh, you know stage uh that is like so s- separate from you you know you're more involved with um uh, uh like almost a movement too you know you feel unique within this smaller you're at, expression you're at somebody's
1: something. you're at somebody's house
0: exactly you're at yeah you're having a house party you know you're yeah. like uh yeah so, it's, so i think it
1: goes with the taurus this year a little bit yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah so well and it's interesting the next uh uh, Uranus North node conjunction happens at a critical time of, um, musical change too. And that's in November 12th, 1991, when it happened in, uh, Capricorn, uh, right near uh when uranus was about to conjunct neptune too. So we have Uranus, the North Node, and Neptune and Capricorn all together. Uh and so we were talking about grunge and, and nirvana blowing up at this time. And that was a whole change of of music uh too.
1: Yeah. Um I sh- yeah I I'm li- I'm talking right now not too far from our where Kurt lived and uh here in Olympia and Olympia had a massive Scene that was you know already happening, you know, right at the same time, and there was like the Riot Girls that were going on here too, but the I guess the difference with that, you know, Kurt was like inspired by them, but Nirvana became huge. I mean, and and when this happened, I think never mind, we were looking, came out like September twenty fourth, I think. So by the by the time this happened, that album was already sort of changing the shape of the entire music industry um, and since this time they've, they've kind of made corporate radio rules and things where like I don't think you know things have changed so much with how the corporate control the music industry and everything but um, this is an instance where where things that got really radically changed and all these bands that had not done a lot of notoriety started getting signed to major labels and all of this music was sort of exposed that had been going on for a while but just became actually like mainstream accessible and popular very very suddenly
0: yeah it was it was it was pretty it was had an overnight quality to it where we were just in grunge zone uh (laughs) you know from 1991 on and and it made such a huge impact on on music um especially obviously the pacific northwest had a big influence there when you think about all the bands that, were, that then rose to popularity because like you said these were underground bands you know they're it, they they did not just pop up in 1991 they had been doing this since the late 80s some even longer than that um and it was just now was the right time and it's and it was kind of the almost the grittiest and socially just you know it, it was like punk in a sense but a different type of punk you know like almost like dirty hippie punk to <laughs> to some extent with the you know the long hair just unkept you know like these uh, not your sure, perceivably normal members of society you know are being thrust in and and they kind of have that like don't care attitude much like punk too and so we once again we're bringing this uranian influence um there's also
1: very Great uh innovative and strong time of um hip hop too in this time period. So there was there's a lot of just good music like that going on in this doing something different. Sort of that all connects back to the interestingly, sort of all reflecting back to that 70 like 76 one and then and the other thing was to this one, um, with like punk and hip-hop coming in like really kind of having a lot more widespread popularity and innovations happening. Um, but this is also a time period you're making the point where um, Bill Clinton is running, right? He becomes president soon after this. And that's yes. since that time, every president has had a, well, not biting the guess, but Clinton, Bush, Obama, Obama and, Trump and Trump all have had Uranus North node conjunctions in their charts. So there was something...
0: Yeah, it was. It interesting. Was interesting. About that. Yeah, how? Um, yeah, so basically, in ninety one, uh, we got our first. Well, uh, ninety two technically, but but that's when Bill Clinton was, you know, was campaigning and coming to to rise. And for some reason, there was something about the United States that needed leaders that had this Uranus North Node conjunction in their birth charts because uh, it happened. Uh, we talked how it happened in sixty one, which was the chart of. Um, Obama, um, but uh, Clinton, uh, Bush, and uh, Donald Trump are all born in 46, which is the conjunction before that, which happened in Gemini um, with the North Node and Uranus. And so we had four consecutive presidents in a row that had North Node uh, and Uranus together. Um, which is interesting because it brings us to the last one, uh, which was July 31st, or sorry, excuse me, uh, March 31st of 20, or 20, 2007, 2007. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Gray had made a point where that was when Obama started to campaign and announced that he was, you know, and so here yeah, he, can-
1: he announced around then the run. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting with the recurrence of
0: this north node uranus and then the leadership there but the last time it happened there in 2007 was in uh pisces um with, with mercury right there too which is interesting uh but we were like what was going on in music and both of us were just like i don't know like but we came to the idea that well, I thought about MySpace and how MySpace was one of the first avenues where people could have a band page or like I had a DJ page, you know, and you could upload your music there to be heard more. And as you know, by the end of the the aughts and into uh, the second decade of uh, the millennia, you know, there are Um, where in 1991, we had all these kind of underground bands being signed to major labels. Now it's like these major labels are, uh, I don't want to say crumbling in many ways, but they don't hold the power that they used to. It's yeah, they don't more, hold
1: the power anymore. Yeah.
0: It's more yeah. of a collective space. And we think about Pisces too, and how it's uh, in people's hands where they could put their own music out there. They could publish mm-hmm. it themselves. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you think about Pisces being this massive ocean, there is also so much out there that in some respects it's hard to have to break across to stell without that um y- you know that driving force of the actual company etc and so there was a lot of just changes that happened i think in like music release but being able to do to diy it um, more successfully
1: yeah i don't know when you think of wondering when spotify came out i guess it would have been in this period i mean there's things like spotify which you know a lot of people think about sort of ruining music from the standpoint of like you know not having people paid for what they're doing but also like just opening up the access to music though really widely and um and I don't know when that actually came in but I'm I'm assuming it must have probably been within this Uranus North Node cycle but I definitely think like the point you're saying about just like now you can it's easier now to like you can make music and just get it out there whether that's fan camp or youtube or whatever i mean that and my space would have been going on here and and i think that that would go with 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 a a big shift with that yeah Yeah.
0: well i think in the last point before we start because we do have to get into our actual thing but but you made a great point, Gray, when you said we're talking about how this is around the time that Steve Jobs announced the iPhone.
1: Yeah. Coming goes out with the music too, right? Everyone now it, is just like on your phone.
0: Exactly. It was, yeah. it combined the iPod basically with mm-hmm. your phone um, right. and other things like GPS, you know, mm-hmm. this is which I, I, I had the first iPhone and that GPS saved me on a very long ride where I would have been lost in the fog, which is very Pisces, right? <laughs> had I not had that GPS. Um, but it's something to be said about the North Node uh, meeting Uranus at the same time Mercury did and how the signature of that conjunction actually was uh, melded in with uh, Mercury there um, as well. So that's that's interesting yeah so
1: yeah definitely so tra- to a tradition back to the present
0: back to the present um,
1: i think um when we're talking about this early 2022 and now the north is in taurus it's going to be basically intensifying we'll talk we can mention this later but it's it's we're talking really like once we get to july and then going into august that's when it's like full-on
0: we're going to. Yeah. Happening.
1: Yeah. But it's sort of getting, they're getting up until that point, they're getting closer and closer and closer. So there's but once the nodes switch, there's something already building with it.
0: Yeah, because it's it's present together. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess I'll say real quick, too, just with Uranus North Node conjunct in Taurus. uh, It seemed they seem to meet at exactly one hundred and sixty seven years in time. So the last time we had Uranus North Node conjunct in actual sign of Taurus was in March 16th, 1855. Um, which was interesting I, I, because that's actually when Jupiter and Neptune were in Pisces uh, again. Too. I was going to
1: say, the, yeah. I think it's 1856 that the last Jupiter Neptune conjunction. conjunction in happened. Yeah. yeah. In
0: Pisces. Yeah. So that, that was an interesting, and it, well, and I was like, looking back to 1855, I'm like what's going on. Um, and actually on the day, the day before this conjunction happened, uh, Louisiana mm-hmm. made the, um, first board of health, uh because they were deal first board of health in relation to quarantine, because they were dealing Mm. with yellow fever epidemic, um, that was taking over basically, uh, in this year. Um, and then in 1856 too, when there was a ship from the West Indies that came into Virginia that had, um, they just brought it with them. And yeah. So this was a time when they were actually dealing with a, a ma- massive epidemic. Um, and, and working through that and needing order in order to uh deal with quarantines and, and uh know who could go where and what limits were and um how to structure that uh in, in a way um to uh you know help people and not spread it. And so I was like, oh that's that's interesting overlay
1: (laughs) yeah definitely
0: yeah and then before that july 1687 and then february 1520 so if you want to go back and get in there oh actually 1687 was interesting gray because that right the same month that the uranus north node conjunction happened in 1687 uh it was when sir isaac newton published uh principia which was his um his work on the laws of motion and universal gravitation, oh wow, uh, which is like a a crucial piece of science um, in our development, which was actually founded um, and derived from Kepler's laws of planetary motion. So basically, this class, the a, a classic of like mechanical, <laughs> you know, um, science was uh, published uh, the very month that the North Node uh, met in Taurus with Uranus in 1687. So that was a little bit fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. It makes me think just of gravity, just the gravity, the the gravity of, um, of this alignment.
0: Right. That's, it's very interesting. All right. So that it's, uh, hopefully you're still with us. We're (laughs) So now we're going to pull it back and actually do a little time, time related rather than hopping all over the place in space and time and going on musical tangents, but hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, But so we're going to start with looking at the Capricorn ingress here at the end of 2021, because, you know, with each seasonal ingress, it gives us an overlay of just energies for the three months uh, that follow it, or at least the three astrological months. when We think of Capricorn, Aquarius and Pisces seasons. Um, and so let me see here, let me stop my share and get to our other screen. Um, we're a Capricorn. Where are you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, as far as the ingress, um, this speaks to the Venus retrograde. So Venus yes. has just stationed retrograde. Um, she's conjoining Pluto. The moon is in cancer barely separating but separating from it so there's something interesting all around the world no matter where that's showing up um how much the people are because the mean tends to represent the people we're all kind of coming from this venus pluto conjunction um, if you count a quincunx the moon is applying to jupiter by a quincunx very closely but the next very like Ptolemaic aspect, I believe, is an out of sign trying to Mars. Um, Mars is in Sag near the south node. Um, And what you can also see in that chart is except for the moon, all the planets are within the nodes. So I think we talked about this last year, the the Kala Serpa Mm. thing, like a time serpent. when All the planets are contained by the nodes we're going to go through that same thing again.
0: Interesting.
1: Until um, I think it's April 23rd.
0: Which is right after the, the Saturn squares the nodes, basically.
1: Yeah. So every, you know, every month will be a period where the moon gets outside of it. And if we count Ceres as a dwarf planet, she, as we kind of talked about earlier, she's already kind of near the north node. So the Ceres will get outside of it, but all the major planets will be inside the nodes and kind of contained. And so um, it's interesting how this has been showing up as we're, Going through these pandemic situations, and we're kind of in another period now where it seems like things are starting to accelerate again, and some places are locking down a little bit more again. And there's again sort of collective hysteria and collective denial and collective, you know, just all over the place, right? And everybody's stirred up again. Um, and like that happens every single time you have this configuration, but it's been strangely showing up. With this pandemic that way, yeah, Um, but that's just but yeah, but that's anyway, but
0: it it's well it's interesting to for well. One of the things we're seeing in the news a lot here in the United States is the they're trying to overturn Roe versus Wade, yeah. which is uh, definitely a Venus-Pluto sort of matter, especially when you get the government involved in Capricorn there. Um, but what's really significant to think about within the, you know, because it's this chart, essentially, that the Capricorn ingress at the solstice is going to be uh, an overlay of three months time. And in fe- on February 20th, uh, in 2022, uh, at least here in the, well in the U S um, which I know a lot of people listen here are in the U S uh, we're going to have our first Pluto return pass. So to have the solstice chart, have that moon Venus Pluto action, um, when we're headed towards the first Pluto return here in the United States, which is a big, uh, also at least for us, you know, politics and situations and citizens, et cetera, this is, it's a big year for us. Um, this is activated there. And so, you know, here in the 11th house, uh, at least set for Washington, um, by whole sign, it gets a little, well, I guess it's kind of still in there by Placidus, it gets kind of close, um, but
1: yeah, Venus is a, uh, it depends a little bit how you work with cusps. Um Venus in the, in the Placidus chart. If you use the five degree, you know, yeah, she's, she's within like, about three degrees know. of the 12th house. So she's kind of right at that 12th house. Yeah. That's what's just kind of fitting in a lot of it, ways. It and- is.
0: And the moon's like
1: kind of heading into the sixth house cross about to cross the sixth house cusp. Yeah. So that, that actually, and also in Placidus, which I think is fitting Mars is actually in the ninth house with the South node. And it would, even in a whole sign though, Mars would be ruling the whole sign ninth house. So I think that shows I'm just thinking Supreme court as ninth house. I think you would say Um, I think the court is usually ninth house. And so um, that just shows the, the fight and tumult and, the the discord, you know, the Mars element coming from that, from that place. Um, yeah. And and that's certainly going to be something people are stirred up by, but I think for everybody, this Venus retrograde time period, um, there, there typically is often a lot of unrest and in society and often protests start happening and in personal lives, there's often things that we want to change and um, especially in Capricorn, you know, renegotiating boundaries within relationships and form, you know, all that kind of thing would, would be even up more so than normal. And with Pluto being involved, it's very deep material, really old relational patterns, you know, the, the deepest, most core relational patterns at the root of you know your security and attachments you know that all that kind of stuff that really gets in there with your um, relationship dynamics with others really coming to the surface um, but then in the United States like you're saying this is also this quarter of the year is taking us into the first um, Pluto return um, in the United States since July 4th 1776 which means basically, Pluto's on track to get back to where it was on that, you know, legendary day of July the 4th, legendary. 1776. <laughs> uh, I think it's February 10th is, I believe, the first day. And there, there's going to be three this year. I know I have the date written down. Yeah,
0: I think it's, uh, it's um,
1: February 10th. No, I'm sorry, February 20th. 20th. February 20th and July 10th. And then I think mm, December, 28th. December 28th. So there'll yeah. be, there'll be three. We'll kind of start the year with a coming. We're going to end the year with a, with the Pluto return. And there'll be one kind of right in the middle in the summer here. So, um, yeah, that also speaks to just, you know, for those in the United States, all this deep, you know, so we're in our personal lives, there's all this material coming, that's going to be coming up to work with and process and, um, transmute and you know bring in the new forms and relationship i think it goes well with the scorpio south the taurus north and that venus will be ruling um but in the united states just culturally you know all the buried material all the stuff people don't want to look at which has already been honestly being it's already been stirred up so much in recent years as we've been approaching this
0: well that, that, that it's, be... it, that's
1: just going to be yeah
0: that could be part of the retrograde position mm-hmm. of venus you know it's like mm-hmm. we're not revisiting we're not intru- introducing it's like what is or what do we have we yet to do yeah with?
1: it's not really introducing anything new
0: yeah it's um and and it can be a lot of internalized too like with the uh, venus being the position that she's in and and not being you know cuz last time venus went retrograde was in gemini which is a lot more outspoken um and you know verbally saying how, what she thinks and how she feels and, you know, versus Capricorn and which is a Saturn ruled sign, which can be more, uh, distant or, or tucked inward or like processing, like, or, or having a hard time actually, um, connecting with that through either limitation or, uh, you know, just kind of that Saturnian walled off kind of, kind of energy. And and the fact that there's, alt, there's tension too in this chart because Saturn and Uranus are about to meet for the last time and that, you know, Uranus is ruled by Venus. So, and Venus and Pluto are looking to Saturn. So it really all comes back to this Saturn and Aquarius just by, um, you know, rulership is concerned, but it's, it's an interesting ping pong energy. With Mars all over there and Sagittarius just getting all, you know, getting all Jupiter fied on the south node. It seems kind of, kind of loud there, but not really. um,
1: And you have a Capricorn moon, right? Yeah, Um, I do. So, you know, you know that, I mean, sometimes the way stuff gets framed in astrology, the earth signs don't get all the um, fascinating, you know, complexity they actually hold. So there's, there's actually, you know, lots of complexity to to Capricorn um, as well as Taurus where the North node is going. Um, And it's sort of like, you know, the the richness of the earth and how much is, you know, buried under the surface. And um, so there's really a lot of deep material that can come out of this, but, you know, earth science being more internal, it's like, you really got to go down. Right. I mean, to get to that, you got to dig deep, right. And go down and, um, get under the surface. And, um, you know, when we think about even just like the earth and what is the earth and the land, you know, it's, it's the home of all the, um, ancestors, you know, all this collective material we have, right. Um, that's just around us all the time and present with us. So, yeah, I think it just really speaks to that. And, 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 um, Work with that, you have to take your time. Yes. And then uh, with Capricorn (laughs) being the right, what's it it glorifies Saturn and Mars? It's the home of Saturn. It's it's where Mars is exalted. So what are they good at? They're good at creating boundaries and containers and being protective and you know, keeping things certain, certain things out, letting certain things in. So there's a I think there's a containment that can be. Really powerful here to open up mm. the more complex, you know, wildness and exploration of, of Capricorn. Um, but the shadow would be right, which we'll probably be seeing a lot, is people instead becoming over-controlling and fearful, and you know that that can flip to the a negative side. You know what I mean? Of just being or overly materialistic, and I have to, you know this is mine that's yours and that kind of thing
0: well yeah and i mean when that's the thing too i feel like when we're looking at the the contention between saturn and uranus um and saturn actually being that fear component that can be behind the shadow side of, of capricorn or just saturn in general and uranus being able to um i don't know kind of like You know, because I think of Uranus, uh, not all the time, but a lot of times it can be very uh, risk energy, you know, or it it gets weighed down and it has to liberate itself some some way and in fear can be very burdensome Um, and and being able to kind of crack that open in some way uh, and be willing to kind of uh, trust and, and take a risk when we might not normally be able to do so because it's another thing with Taurus and Scorpio access is, um, is there's a a real trust component that happens in those signs, or that seems to be an issue, uh, with planets in that sign. And so kind of like, I've been thinking about this a lot, like a lot lately is like, you know, being in the flow of life and like trusting the process and, and where, um, fear and severity, uh, and conflict or competition tend to get in the way, of something that's just trying to flow and flow it is not always easy a lot of times you know flow comes through eruptions like volcanic and then the flow of the lava and it continues down and so being able to kind of work and be flexible within the flow of life which can be sometimes disruptive um especially internally without letting fear um, or, or that limited scope that I was talking about earlier, you know, like the limited vision, uh, get in the way of where life is trying to move you to, especially when we're in the, all this change, I guess, if that makes any sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so all this, um, all this stuff with Capricorn and the Pluto, you know, places in the past where you've been betrayed, um, places yeah. where you, you haven't been able to trust your, your issues, this, this, this this stuff can all get be being brought to the surface, but it's going to be about how to how do you actually hold that you know how how can you find the people that can you know ally with you and companion companion I'm not using the wrong <laughs> word for that but relate to you with that material and, and talk about it and work with it yourself and do your own inner explorations of it and so you're able to still open up you know it's it's stuff like to opening up to be. Understood. And where where Venus ends up going, um, I believe the same day she stations retrograde, um, Chiron actually stations direct in Aries. Mm -hmm. And so she'll be going back over the course of her retrograde to end up squaring Chiron and Aries. And there is something the astrologer um, Brian Clark um, said um, in this relationship astrology class I was taking that he was teaching. Um, that I really like about Chiron and, um, uh, Brian Clark was saying something to the effect that, um, well, somebody was asking about like a composite Chiron and, you know, is this composite Chiron, is is this how we heal, heal this, um, wound, the Chiron thing in our charts? And he was saying that, well, you know, Chiron, um, doesn't actually want to heal i mean chiron's going to keep it broken but it's like being understood understanding how it's broken and mm-hmm. i think that really is something um, about this venus retrograde because of it starting with pluto she's going to go back interact with chiron we really have this opportunity um when you're talking about that that lack of trust that can come up with all in scor- star scorpio nodes too would speak to that yeah. But we can work on um, understanding where these things come from. And hopefully, um, doing that in a relationship can be ways to learn to, you know, open and, and trust and, and have more of an understanding of where that's coming from to create more of the relationships we want going forward.
0: Mm. Yeah. I like that, especially with the Chiron component, because just because it doesn't mean you're going to fully heal it. It's just, you learn to understand it mm-hmm. and, and and work with it. And, and I feel like we're at a different level of understanding too, because the nice thing about the ingress chart is that Mercury is trining Uranus too. So it's almost like they're like Mercury is like, okay, well, I'm, I'm willing you know, I want to look at things in, in a different perspective. Like I'm, I'm willing to look for the breakthrough or, or accept the breakthrough in, in some way um, or test myself and being able to communicate in ways that I have yet to or in topics that are very, you know, fixed like the Taurus zone there. And so I think that bodes well a little bit for um, just being able to air on some of that Uranian side that uh, still comes back to, it all comes back to the Saturn Uranus square in this chart, really. Uh, But um, I do like Mercury. Yeah. I mean, uh, the
1: Saturn, right. That's a good point. We actually, for some reason, haven't been mentioning that, but the, the last exact Saturn Uranus square is basically happening right here. So we've been talking about the fact that the Saturn Uranus square is basically happening all of next year, but, we just don't get an exact to the degree and the minute. I mean, they get to the same degree, I believe, just not the same degree and the minute. And we get the last to the degree and the two minute to the minute, you know, right after this solstice chart. So the solstice chart is like kind of maximum, you know, maximum suspended Saturn, tension honest. of like, <laughs> yeah, of Saturn. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's, it's the third and final exact square just about to happen. Like, when, when we, when we have this solstice yeah. ingress chart. So it's, it's really loaded in that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll, we'll continue to feel, I mean, we're going to continue to feel it through 2022, but we're going to feel it in these first three months, you know, of, uh, the changeover into the year. Cause you know, we're under this ingress chart basically.
1: Yeah. And, and you can look back, um, just speaking to that, um, trying to remember now the dates are escaping me, even though I've looked at and repeated those dates so many times in my in my life um <laughs> this past year but the the um we've had to I think it was in February and June if i remember yes, correctly of this of this past correctly. year I just don't remember the exact days and um but we've had this Uranus Saturn Square theme the entire year. And so something's been building through all these changes. It's not like this third and final one everything's just resolved and it's all over. But there's probably just a lot more understanding that can be gained and um, engaged with at this point with how are, are you've been working with that square through the entire year. Because really the entire, all of this, all of 2021 has been that square happening. When we entered 2021, it was already building, getting ready to happen. And then it's already happened twice exactly and like we're saying, it's actually going to keep the influence spans all of next year. But this being, you know, we, we entering the solstice season with the final exact one is bringing sort of like a, like a, some sort of important, important events are happening around this um, related to the bigger picture. Yeah. Just to kind of sort through and understand relating to how your life has been. Change because most people's lives have some have, have been changed in this, you know, really drastic ways by this transit.
0: Yeah. I definitely uh I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. So look back to mid-February and then mid-June. Uh, and then of course here in December 23rd, uh, by the time this airs, you'll be, you'll be feeling it. But then, like we said, it picks up through 2022 and then we're going to have nodal interaction with those two planets that are going to carry the story forward even more. But a lot of the tension, I think and the kind of like plot twists and, uh, you know, uh, bigger decisions made or entertained, you know, um, or things thrown at us, (laughs) which Uranus loves to do. Um, Those have been happening. So, I mean, take stock, take stock of 2021, especially in these last, this last week of December, because you're probably going to see that wheel of your life and how it has shifted in whatever areas you have Aquarius and Taurus particularly, but really all the fixed signs because they've all kind of interacted with the wheel um, and are going to continue because obviously we have the nodal action coming. So that being said, Gray, let's move on to. Uh, yeah, we should
1: go into January. I think. January, get, get, uh, get going with the year's transits. Get yeah.
0: going, get going already. <laughs> um, um, well, yeah. So yeah, we go happen. into we go into
1: <laughs> January and we get the new moon in Capricorn right away. Mercury goes into Aquarius. So that thing happens where you know Mercury's been in Capricorn, it goes into Aquarius, getting ready to go retrograde. But we get a new moon and Capricorn trining Uranus, um, which is an interesting way just to kind of start the year. Yeah, I
0: know it is.
1: Yeah, which will sort of be a nice way to kind of get in with that. But the new means obviously also then applying towards the Venus retrograde and the Pluto. So this new means also really um, intersecting with that. And it's about a, within a week or so on January 8th is when we get the, um, Venus conjunction, um, with the sun, this new moon looks like it's right around the time where Venus is probably still visible for people in a lot of locations, but she's in getting ready to, she's already under the beams by the classical 15 degree marker. And she's getting ready to start going, you know, combust and get within like eight degrees of the sun. She's like 10 degrees here. Um, but it's within a week. She this is right when we're kind of going into that like Venus in the underworld, which is doesn't take very long actually in, in the retrograde phase. Um, she's not there too long. because um, she's going backwards and the sun's going forward. So they just kind of pass each other. But this January 8th one is when she's actually in the heart of the sun, being reanimated, being regenerated. And so there's hopefully here, um, a nice time to um, maybe sink into more of whatever the changes are that's been going on for you with the Venus retrograde.
0: Yeah. You're going to, I feel like this, her meeting, the sun will give us a nice little uh, hit of what, what we've already been going through, or maybe so just, you know, sun always brings awareness and her sitting in, you know, the King's court there, uh, after going through all the Pluto, right? Like going through all the dark <laughs> and all the, you know, more trying aspects that Pluto can bring up, and then seeing the light uh, to some extent. Um, For whatever, even if that is just understanding something or what have you, there it seems to be a defining moment of her journey as it is, as she gets rebirthed there. Yeah,
1: and then if you just go like a week or so forward, or a few days forward, you know, Saturn Mercury's then you can see getting closer and closer to Saturn on this chart. But instead of Mercury just kind of going over Saturn, Mercury's actually slowing down here, and then stations retrograde on the fourteenth, almost like almost to Saturn, but not quite, but pretty closely squaring Uranus. So. It's sort of like Mercury just goes up to connect to that Saturn Uranus square, um, so we're get, we're getting kind of tapped into that energy with it. But then, you know, he's gonna then head back to Pluto um, and the, and that Capricorn that we were t- we were talking about that earlier. But that that happens right here.
0: Yeah, it seems like I feel like Mercury is like it's like almost ready to meet Saturn. It's almost ready to make a decision. Maybe, (laughs) you know, I think of like Saturn being as decisive energy too. Um, but not quite yet. There are some things that need to be gone over. We got to get down to the nitty gritty of Pluto once more. Maybe there's just some introductory of Uranus, like, because you got to think, too, what's happening is when Mercury retrogrades on the 14th, basically from the 14th to the 18th, we have Mercury retrograde. Uh, we have a Plutonian full moon um, and we have Uranus stationing at the same time. So basically, Mercury squaring, squaring ret- going retrograde at the same time Uranus is stationing to go direct. So. There, it's almost like they're trading messages yeah. almost within that and then and then the moon comes around and is like surprise i want to give you more of that pluto what uh <laughs> do you want to engage with that pluto some more um you know on january 17th there so yeah <laughs>
1: so you're right right around then right after Mercury's retrograde that january 18th or so period 17th i guess um well 18th yeah 17th 18th there's a yeah, full moon
0: basically that opposite full,
1: pluto yeah. again you're right Are saying and then but then uranus is stationing that and th- those uranus stations are often pretty dramatic and i think we definitely can expect this one to be since we're still in that saturn uranus square time period and mercury squaring it and
0: yeah well and that's a full like, moon's happening
1: at the same time i know
0: right it's like what don't what's not going on um and, and then by you know the true node we have the nodes moving into Taurus and Scorpio on the 18th too. So there is a lot so of, uh, this whole period is 18th. very
1: like, yeah, this really makes me think of like the, um, the old uh, associations of Capricorn and Aquarius um, with Enki and those like creator, you know, subterranean water deities of like um, Babylonia. And speaking of which, which which is kind of interesting um the star denibal getty which is actually the tail of the seago constellation of capricorn jupiter has been hanging out a lot with recently or it's around 23 aquarius but later in this year interestingly saturn will be there mm. where you know and visually in the sky will probably actually see saturn up on the around the tail of the the um but that creator, you know, inky sort of in that subterranean, you know, there's that idea of a Capricorn Aquarius in that ancient culture. You know, it's, it's like it's like the oceanic expanse of the sky, right? And there's this, you know, sort of this 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 period that seems very, even though we think about Capricorn often, some people will think of it as being very structured and orderly. There's all, there's actually a lot of Capricorn process working with disorder and chaos and re- being able to reshape something and have a new order and reordering you know, emerging. And I think that's just sort of this whole period, you know, we have like the Mercury retrograde going on, the Venus retrograde going on, we get Uranus stationing, direct, you know, basically trining Venus retrograde. Um, There's just a lot of deep shifting happening here during this whole period to just be kind of working with.
0: And, and that makes sense for, I mean, for this time of year anyways, because we, you know, having the Capricorn solstice and then, you know, typically we have a full moon in cancer and these are two, uh, pivot signs, but extreme pivots because they're solstice signs. Um, so we kind of always have that, you know, restructuring and, you know, fi- I love that the finding the, uh, order within the chaos or like what's changed so that we can start fresh. And that's kind of the new year jam anyways, right. We're trying to like. Put our, our our new form on what the year will look like, but having those two planets retrograde, uh, Mercury and Venus, and then Uranus stationing direct to adding a you know surprise component. The, I feel like there's extra that is in, in disarray or pieces that are just floating about that could use that restructuring. Um, and then to have it how happen on with Pluto involved. And so, however, it gets restructured is probably going to be significantly different or d- demand bigger, d- decent changes of us. Whether that is um, in the external form or just internally, where you know something is transforming into a, a new form. Yeah, um, this
1: this time period, Pluto just keeps coming up
0: just keeps coming at us we
1: get the yeah sun's (laughs) with pluto at this full moon um and then as we go into the aquarius um season of you know sun going into aquarius sort of what i was just speaking to you and you were just talking about is all these like these deep changes happening and shifting it seems like this to me the overarching theme of this is like there ends up being sort of like this like thrusting of like something starts like coming out here like there's lots of changes, but we're going to start getting a sense of how to start bringing some things into form. And there's there's things ready to start, you know, change, I mean, literally changing directions. Um, um, Venus stations direct on January 29th, um, just around the same time that um, Mercury is actually with retrograde with Pluto. Um, right before that soon after the sun goes into Aquarius, Mars goes into Capricorn. Um, and so I think it's January 24th, the next day of what you have here. Um, and so when this happens, you're on January 24th, January 25th, Mars goes into Capricorn. And now we have Mars and Capricorn. We have Venus retrograde in Capricorn about to station direct. We have Pluto and Capricorn and mercury comes back in the capricorn like I think, well, like the did. next the next day maybe or, or on this day later on the same day that you're on here yeah
0: we do want oh, to skip over that the, the, yeah, the mercury yeah. kazimi all right yeah <laughs> that's where i started yeah yeah Yeah, the yeah, because it's the second that we get and you already alluded to this earlier in our dialogue about Mm -hmm. how the first sun Mercury inferior Kazemi happens at the beginning of Aquarius there right near our Jupiter Saturn conjunction uh, right near where Mars and Saturn made a conjunction uh, right near where Venus and Mars will eventually make a conjunction in, in March. So this is a hotspot of the Zodiac in the first degrees of Aquarius. And so when we're talking about that forward vision and having gone through so much change and then Mercury comes along to seed with the sun on the 23rd of January, um, to have that moment there, it's, it's, it feels very potent to then go on to do what you were just saying, where Mars and Mercury move into Capricorn from the 24th to the 25th uh, Venus stations direct on the 29th. And yeah, so it, it seems like this is one of those kind of changing of the guard moments from mm-hmm. everything that just happened.
1: Definitely. Yeah, that's great. Yep. So that's like, that is an important day to pay, paying attention like you just said, but then, yeah, once we get, I guess it's like a week later, Venus stations direct on the 29th. And then right as she's stationing direct, we get the new moon in Aquarius, uh, and I think that's the 31st. Um,
0: yeah. The 31st. So we have,
1: so this is kind of where I feel like, yeah, like that's sort of like, there's something like what's one, what's wanting to start coming out out of this because Mercury it's a few more days before Mercury stations direct. But Mercury is already starting to station. Mercury's already slowing down and getting ready to go officially direct. Um, Venus has already gone direct. And this new moon is also squaring Uranus. And I pretty know. much conjoining Saturn. Yeah. So this is really, um, yeah. And, and Mars is already in Capricorn, you know, getting a little closer to Venus. Um, the other thing about this period is where we go through this long period of, um, Venus being in between, you know, Mars and Mars and Saturn, um, and being, in, and so that, that's <laughs> sort of enclosed. Yeah. Enclosed basically. Which is a few ways, I think, to look at that. You know, you could be the half-empty side, I guess. would be like, oh, <laughs> Venus is in such a rough – this is a rough gig for Venus. He's but, cornered. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Venus is going to make that um, – I don't know. You could also say, like, how is Venus going to be helping Mars and Saturn come together? Because we'll we'll see. This goes on for a while or – mars and saturn and venus uh, within a couple within a sign of each other but yeah i feel like this is like a period where um, stuff is really ready to to change and um hopefully at this point there's more of a sense of whatever you've been going through with the internal processing and change there's a more of a more of a sense of 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 what you want to be doing here and and um be an opportunity to get a lot more activated and have some forward movement happening
0: yeah i agree because it's i mean we already know when we talked about the capricorn uh, solstice chart and the uh the saturn and uranus almost making their square and encompassing a three-month period well this is the new moon that basically like starts the cycle that is going to connect with these planets directly and what, um, that shift has been, um, and then having just that pile up in Capricorn too, that adds a lot of practicality to where that goes next. Right. You know, because we have all the personal planets there, uh, we got Pluto, you know, so there, even though it's a Uranian new moon, there's still a lot of Capricorn action that is ready to activate on the material plane, you know, um, even though Mercury still retrograde at this point, it's about to turn direct. So it's already yeah. kind of, it's already got its mission to some extent. Um, so yeah, it had, it has that forward reaching vision part of it, but it also has the planets that are willing to do the work, uh, to me, you know, like uh, what actually take action and what needs to be done, especially with Mars now in Capricorn.
1: And speaking to that, Mars and Capricorn exalted, taking action, able to get stuff done. It's moving into a, you can see it on this chart about to go, it's going into a sextile with Jupiter and Pisces and a trine with Uranus and Taurus. Yeah. Um, so that, so um, there is something there and that's all kind of forming as Mercury's um, going direct basically.
0: Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, uh, Mercury, uh, stations on February 3rd, right. As Gray said with Mars activating Jupiter and Uranus in, in flowing mm-hmm. formation. Uh, yeah. so, so that seems nice to kind of get a leg up on this, on this new moon to some extent. Um, and, uh, but that, then if we, we kind of arrive at our full moon, that's what I have next on the like the fifteenth sure, and sixteenth yeah.
1: mm-hmm. of
0: February, where we ha- we have a nodal activation basically taking place, um, where we're gonna, I think we're going to get a solid hit of what the, <laughs> of what Taurus and Scorpio are saying to us because the luminaries are going to be a forming a grand cross with the nodes in yeah. uh, in the in between eclipse season as uh, as we can know it, and that's all. This always big turning points. Um, but we also have Venus conjuncting Mars, uh, in Capricorn, which is, this is going to be the second conjunction conjun- of her three conjunction, uh, tour, uh, mm-hmm. that started back in August of 2021. And, uh, at the same time, we actually have Jupiter making a sextile to Uranus too, and in a bigger, uh, theme that is taking place. And so this feels significant, right? <laughs> to me.
1: Yeah, there was the previous, um, I have in my mind July 13th, but I might be wrong about that, Um, but it was Venus and Mars in Leo, Um, and but um, as we actually talked about last year, we knew that even though they formed a conjunction last summer in the northern hemisphere, they were going to end up, because of her going retrograde, they're going to come back two more times, so this is the second one it may or may not relate to some relationship developments. It would make sense that it would though, that were going on back um, last July or, you know, last summer. And um, now we've gone through a whole Venus retrograde, a lot of kind of deeper um, material coming up. And now there's something else, you know, that they're coming together again. But what's so fascinating is because, they come together right here, but because Venus is starting to pick up speed, she really just starts following Mars. So they never yeah. really get far apart and um, they come back together, you know, basically as soon as they go into um, Aquarius on March 3rd. So they, they do come together here in the middle of February, but then there's one more in on March 3rd where they come together in Aquarius. But, from this conjunction to that conjunction, yeah, they're going all the way across Capricorn. They're going to yeah. go across Pluto again. So when she comes back to Pluto, Venus comes back to Pluto after this whole retrograde. You know, Mars is there too,
0: <laughs> you know with, with
1: Venus, and then so they're they're going to go across Pluto together. So it's, it's really a super like going even deeper into that Pluto material well
0: great you know the image that came into mind with me and maybe i'm and i'm thinking about relationally too is that essentially venus and mars are holding hands right and they're holding hands to cross pluto and so there's you know i mean to some extent that could be reinforcement of like the two planets working together at some time or perhaps once Pluto, it, it, you know, happens and then it starts to break away. Like it could go either way, but there's something about almost like, I guess, Venus and Mars, like holding hands and crossing a threshold together. And this could be the romantic in me. Like I have, I'm water signs, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, Pluto is always, you know, it's, it's going to take us where it's going to take us. But- well,
1: I would say in some cases, yeah. In some cases, some relationships that have really been processing stuff, there could be this much deeper level of intimacy commitment that comes out of this process but it, yeah. it could certainly go all the right other directions exactly sure. so that would be one that's like to me the higher level of or not higher but like the more positive yeah uh, deeper meaning of pluto relating to all this would be like that yeah you've really kind of purified and brought up a lot of stuff to the surface and there's understanding that's been developed and you know, and, and as a as a result, you know, there's there's a deeper bond, there's deeper trust, there's deeper commitment, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, too, we have a cardinal uh, Earth sign taking place here, so something's starting, something is, uh, you know, beginning in it in its form and um in, in literal material ways too. You know, when we think about uh, uh, relationships and in jobs and um, you know financial. Agreements and contracts, and you know, the home. I mean, I speak for myself like, I'm trying to buy a home with my partner right now, basically. And I think about like Capricorn energy and Taurus and all that type of stuff, and yeah, that search and and all that. So we'll see. Um, another cre- thing I, creatively, yeah,
1: this ahead. could hopefully be a good time too. And, yeah. and again, like just continuing, I mean, that's what this whole time, like, if you've been working with a you know, not get whatever upsetting or difficult things happen related to Venus retrograde or all these Capricorn things that we were talking about, you know, the taking your time with they're just kind of realizing this is like a long period of time, like that. They still haven't even, it's going to take them until March to get back to um, basically where Pluto is. Um, it makes, so like there's, there's, there's something that if you take it by this point, though, there's a real, that deep, like that, that deep, Um, more authentic, essential quality core kind of desires of Pluto could be, you could really be making a lot more contact with it. And then, you know, really starting to work with it more, more actively engaged and everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess during this whole time period that we're talking about, and even the time period that we're in, as we're recording this, Um, and, you know, having all these Pluto activations and Venus and Mars involved, it's like, if something means something to you, if something is valuable to you, especially in the long run, you know, take your time with it because it's going to go through some things. Uh, and, you know, as they say, the old adage, you know, the best things in life, no, that aren't free. No, that's not the one, but you know, the uh, thing, good things take time. Right. I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Yep. So you that know, don't give, time. don't give up on it. Uh, you know, and don't try to take easy way out or or let Mars and especially in Sagittarius on the South Node derail you. But that's a whole other <laughs> whole other thing. But
1: yeah, yeah, I think we should move for time. Maybe move into Pisces. Yes, let's go into, let's Pisces. into Pisces
0: time. Um, So this so, is a
1: Pluto return. Like we go into Pisces in the United States. If you yeah. want to remember it, just like Sun goes into Pisces, Pluto returns happening. It's like basically, I think the exact ones like two days later.
0: Yeah. Um, so February twentieth, here we have the Sibley chart up. You can oh, see cool. we can see Pluto and Pluto is they're on top of each other. So this is that pass um, taking place and
1: uh, Neptune. So it's also the Neptune opposition is pretty much exactly right
0: yes that we've already been
1: having that that's been going on hasn't not as many people have talked about it in astrology for some reason but um speaks to
0: neptune (laughs) yeah
1: we'll just we'll just throw that
0: over (laughs) i feel
1: like that's pretty (laughs) obvious that that's been going on um and but but both of those things happening pretty much simultaneously is pretty fascinating
0: yeah so just an uh, FYI note, paying attention to us, uh, action, uh, you know, February 20th and obviously sort of like the deep, up. yeah, the deep
1: <laughs> underbelly of, um, the American dream and all the toxic,
0: <laughs> well, probably financial <laughs> material that's
1: part of that coming out. Yeah. yeah.
0: Financially <laughs> related stuff is going to be a, a big thing yeah. here. I have a yeah. feeling. So, um, yeah. So just FYI there, but uh what we do have from March 2nd through the um I think what I have next is March 2nd for the Pisces new moon.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. We can go to that
0: um, march 2nd through the 6th we basically have mercury it-
1: is really nice i think
0: actually it, well and it's interesting too because i feel like there's um like almost like this transcendent resolve to it because we have mercury making its final or uh, finally making the conjunction with saturn right it almost made it to the beginning you know with the retrograde in mid-january but now it's finally speaking uh mm-hmm. with saturn um and then and it's in a you know it's approaching the the square with the nodes after that Mm -hmm. uh we have the new moon uh conjunct jupiter and pisces with uh venus this this is our venus mars pluto all party all together mars
1: pluto all together and then the new moon sextile uranus
0: yes um and then right after that basically is when uh in the days after that is when venus and uh mars move into uh, aquarius to conjunct on the on the sixth so there is this like first couple days after this new moon in pisces that is uh it's got a lot of planetary action to it not yeah, to mention and, the sun conjunct jupiter too you know and the
1: jupiter neptune's been coming in we, i mean jupiter neptune will already be in effect before this but this new moon that's conjoining jupiter um which i'm very happy about are you, are
0: you happy <laughs> about it? Are you, i feel good about it too i've actually been yeah. looking forward to this this new moon um for quite some time now in, in my mind I, I feel like it's it's something <laughs> uh maybe it's because it's a fifth house new moon for me but you know like <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah i mean i think i like it i like i like I like that. Like it. I'm, I'm also excited about the Jupiter Neptune conjunction. And so because, you know, we can see now they're getting within about eight degrees of each other. And then this new moon sort of, you know, bringing them together, um, the moon will bring them together, you know, passing over both of them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, right after this. Um, yeah. You're so- probably getting a sense of what this is about for you. But this is a um, very deep and impactful um, alignment and transit. Um, Jupiter and Neptune, it's it's um, in Pisces. So it's in the sign of um, Jupiter. Um, there are many astrologers around the world that do use Neptune as a ruler of Pisces. And I think most people that are just not total Neptune skeptics at least can agree that there's a resonance between Neptune and Pisces. So they're both in, it's, it's in a, it's in an environment that's very, um, you know, welcoming to Jupiter and (laughs) Neptune can really Jupiter and Neptune can both really do their thing to maximum extremity in Pisces. Um, the cycle is very visionary, um, And even though we think about Jupiter and Neptune being very boundless, especially in Pisces, the cycle is like very orderly. It happens um, roughly every 13 years, not exactly every 13 years, but it's a cycle that actually goes from one sign to another with every once in a while, repeating a sign. Um, It's one of the only cycles that actually does that. So um, we had one in 2009. There were a few that year in Aquarius. Um, Before that it was 1997 Capricorn. Before that, it was 1984 Capricorn. The 84 is like beginning of Capricorn, and 97 was kind of the end of Capricorn. So we had a repeat. And then before that was 71, 1971 in Sagittarius. So because of that Capricorn repeat, we ha- we've had three of these in a row, um, 1984, 97, 2009, that have all been in Saturn world signs.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: this will be the first time that we've had one in a Jupiter world sign since 1971 and when uh, when these outer planet alignments are always really important but when one of them happens when one of the planets involved is actually a traditional planet ruling a sign and it's actually happening in that sign i feel like they're even more powerful that was you know one reason a lot of people were really ex- knowing that saturn jupiter conjunction in aquarius was going to be such a big deal because Saturn was in its own sign. Yeah, just like the Saturn Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, we kind of knew that was going to be a big deal because Saturn's in its own sign. Um, and this is a, this is a very different from Saturn Pluto and Capricorn. This is Jupiter Pisces, Jupiter Neptune and Pisces. So it's it's really you know complete, boundless, inner imaginative exploration, envision. Um, um for a lot of the transit as you're kind of showing what you get later in the April you know Venus will, will be actually in her exaltation of Pisces with them even
0: yeah we're we're about to get so, into the Pisces part party <laughs> yeah there's
1: something very um creative that can come in here um Andre Barbeau has um he's a very well-known French um astrologer I think I might have Notes here of some of his quotes. Um, he's he's really well known as somebody long time. But just to give him some street credit, if you don't know about Andre Barbeau, he basically predicted the twenty twenty pandemic a long time ago. And his analysis of the, the Jupiter Neptune cycle is he calls it he uses terms like unified collective global power. Um, he also collective liberal order collective movements that have liberal democratic tendencies that favor universal moral values. So for example, when women got the right to vote the United States of America, finally there's a Jupiter Neptune um, when world governments in response to the world wars, whether you like the United nations or not, the intent of that was to create, you know, these unified world bodies to try to like actually <laughs> work with all the countries and prevent another world war so the the league of nations which didn't work out though the league of nations connected to world war one jupiter neptune when the united nations comes in you know in response to world war ii it's jupiter neptune um, the actual peace symbol was invented that we use as a peace symbol was invented you know jupiter neptune Interesting. um the um, Cuban Revolution, Jupiter-Neptune, um, Zapatista Revolution, Jupiter-Neptune, there's been lots of, um, in, the, in the United States, there's been lots of labor, labor union organizing and strikes happening. I think Major League Baseball just is going into a strike, perhaps. I think I saw something about that strikes labor organization
0: starbucks i think or yeah i think starbucks i just read something today about them is it a starbucks that, is or a jupiter,
1: that has been a <laughs> very consistent jupiter neptune alignment um roosevelt and a new deal jupiter neptune obama creating health care finally in the united states jupiter neptune um well, so all the, the wow. so that's kind of on a mass collective level but a personal level is just, yeah, yeah um the last Jupiter-Neptune, um, the work of Carl Jung was finally published on the Red Book. And that whole personal underworld odyssey mm-hmm. that's that's collected in the Red Book and all that meaning um, would, can then be associated with Jupiter-Neptune in terms of that actually being seeing the light of day. And within the past Jupiter-Neptune cycle, the transformative quality of of how Jung's work has been understood. And in more recent years, that's been paired with understanding more of his astrology and how much his astrological understanding was embedded in the red book. Um, so it's pretty. And um, I think a lot more people in the world now who are interested in that sort of thing, um, and that sort of personal odyssey that, could, that you can go through and use art and, you know, and, and, and such to kind of like, um, to work with it. I think that's a, a, just a great way, that's just something that could personally could be going on with this for, for everybody really. Um, and so in this, this time of great mystery of transition, um, this is just a huge imaginative visionary potential coming in here to, to try to, to see what you can get out of it and work with creatively.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a creative component to this uh, conjunction. I mean, obviously it's in Pisces too. So that adds to it as well, but just, just in general, there's a, there's a creative element, there's a, a spiritually related element, um, that, you know, when we think about the last time Jupiter and, uh, Neptune met in Pisces and, in, uh, in the mid 18, 1800, 1856, right. When didn't we talk about like the, uh, <laughs> close proximity to the Uranus North node, um, the uh there was a spiritualism movement going on there was a lot of uh uh talk about because to add to what you were saying with like kind of these public programs or labor movements there is like a help of people help to the underdog or help to people that are in um in uh positions that need uh either charity or need some sort of larger uh voice to help them um you know rise into a a more like I don't know there I think what am I trying to say during the mid 1800s there with that conjunction there was even within the spiritualism movement there was um, a lot of women that stepped up and, and kind of took the lead in the spiritualism and they actually it was led more by women and they spoke to, uh, rights for people of color and, you know, people that were considered, you know, less than in society. And so there's always seems to be sort of this, this helping out of, of people that, um, you know, that are in quote unquote, lower positions that, shouldn't hope, necessarily be but you know what I mean
1: yeah and hopefully some new some some further developments with uh, maybe therapeutic modalities yeah. and ways to work so this is also coming in right the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction is basically trining the south node in Scorpio and it's sextile the north node in Taurus so whatever this we can see with that which one way is I'm thinking of is like what I was saying so earlier how we work with all this collective grief and and stuff and bring that into how do we work on the Taurus North end, you know, creatively and compassionately and bring something and new things into form that are going to help people out. You know, we can also think about the supply chains, people talking about, right, and economic crises and different things and housing and all that. But um, hopefully there's something, being in Pisces too, there's, there's some some um some new senses of vision of how to intersect with all that and um visions of new structures to create and everything yeah reorganize Um, and then creatively it's just it's just really powerful um the last time there was one in 1856 i'll just share one thing quickly um there is this guy william henry perkin who was actually trying to um, he was trying to synthesize quin- quinine, I don't know how to pronounce it, but for the treatment of malaria. And he accidentally discovered um, this purple dye, uh, which is now called um, maveen. And it basically led into like, it became like the first time you could actually just create a purple dye and like actually dye oh, yeah. colored clothing purple. And it created this whole fashion trend wave um of things being dyed purple and especially purple had' on, you could only ever dye things purple in ancient times with like sea snails you know it's like a color of royalty
0: yeah it was a, only the very few people w- could have purple dye very yeah rare.
1: so I think purple um if you look up mavi and there's really neat images of um some of the old clothes and fashion with it but I almost think that's the color just because that came it's into Prince. being. <laughs> well, yeah, because also um when did purple rain come out? It was Jupiter Neptune. Jupiter
0: Neptune, get yeah. your purple is my purple rain, color.
1: um thriller. I mean Michael Jackson's on Jupiter Neptune person. But um yeah, purple rain much later. Purple we had the um rain. yeah.
0: It's if that's not pi like Jupiter Neptune conjunction in Pisces, purple rain. Come on, like just yeah. the uh uh um, yeah, yeah that was
1: a jupiter neptune time and he, but, he came out with that
0: why does that not surprise me but i i love that um yeah because but but, I, the, but the whole but um
1: the, whole, the whole, whole fashion the whole that whole fashion that, that all came out of that which there's also you know i mean this is all part of the industrial revolution and everything too but um there's something about that i think and just it also though has it also enabled though you can think of all the Bad things about the industrial revolution, but it enabled you know these brilliant colors to be widely available. Well, that's you know, what you know, I'm
0: thinking. It, t- it to takes
1: everybody, yeah,
0: exactly. It takes what was like upper echelon or only available to the people with the most mm-hmm. money, and now everyone can have it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's yeah, it was once kept from you because it was a considered in a status that was you know um, you know many people were beneath that status you could acquire that, but now it is universally very Pisces, uh, available. I love that. It's a, that's a good fun fact, gray. Um, so we'll let us pull back in time, um, back to kind of where we were with the Pisces new moon. Yeah. Just so call, the point is
1: just that that's a building. Bit. Like it's once we get to that Pisces new moon, that whole Jupiter Neptune is going to be, I think just really intensifying from that point forward i mean it's already been happening but we start getting this much more um they're, they're getting closer and closer together
0: yeah so basically between uh, um, march 5th when we have like march 4th march 5th when we have the sun conjunct jupiter and then the sun just continues to carry on you know hitting the midpoint of jupiter and neptune uh, and then makes it to Neptune on March thirteenth, I believe, or March twelfth, somewhere around there. And so, right, that so then period, the sun goes across
1: them too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: that period between uh, the fourth the of March and about the thirteenth of March, we're we're like smack dab in the middle of Jupiter Neptune zone, mm-hmm. and the sun basically lighting that up, which is leading us to. The full moon, and but then
1: this is also happening right at the same time as um, Mars and Saturn and Venus all in Aquarius. Because yes. when you, so that's the that's the other side of this. So there's there is that whole more um, imaginative in that kind of way, um, and you, you you can think even when we talk about Mars Saturn being difficult in the same sign, especially the Saturn world sign. Maybe there's a, people wanting to escape reality through that Jupiter-Neptune. So there's, there's going to be a, a need to kind of hold both sides. But basically, um, Mars is in the same sign as Saturn from March 5th to about April 14th. And Venus it's more like March 5th to April 5th. But they, they each, once we were in this period, they're going to both be in the same sign. And this is a period where, yeah, now it's like Mars and Venus and Saturn, like, just really close out. together <laughs> and that's again where we could be like oh it looks hard for venus but also like she's what is she doing to me if she wasn't there it'd just be mars and saturn I coming like she's together
0: a mediator yeah you know? like she's I, playing her mediator role of yeah uh... <laughs> and in world
1: events i'm sure this can be really difficult things happening to venus people and ideas but there's also so that I'm sure will be showing up. And, but, um, it also makes me think of how we, yeah, just like creatively working with this. And when Mars and Saturn come together, like we've talked about before you can really build something that's going to endure. You, you can really face whatever's going on. Um, Saturn can really contain, you know, that, all that fire and heat and dynamism of Mars. Um, Mars can kind of make Saturn move Yeah, and Venus being there too. Um, yeah, there's just a way to kind of work with all of that, hopefully more creatively.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's something to be said about the closing out of those cycles too. Cause you know, the, the Mars, Mars, Saturn, it takes some time to, to get through that cycle too. And it's, it's round in the bend of, of, you know, what we act, you know, our long-term, um, vision and where, how we move towards that and what we're motivated to put our energy into. Um, so and knowing that that happened at 0 degrees of Aquarius uh on the Jupiter Saturn point so there is you know there's a bigger story that's wrapping up within that but it, just the whole lead up to this full moon on in Virgo on March 18th after we've been through the sun's touched Jupiter it's touched Neptune we got this aquarius energy with Mars Venus and Saturn uh which is also squaring Uranus during this full moon Um, there is, I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about just all this visionary energy with the Pisces, with the Aquarius, and then we have two earth or three earth components of the moon in Virgo trining Pluto in Capricorn. Um, and then that activation with Uranus in, in Taurus. Um, so it's interesting how we take the vision, what we see in our minds what we see in our hearts and how that how that ends up in the um the material plane because i feel like whenever we get a virgo full moon there's always some sort of like something's shifting with our our realities our daily reality something's wrapping up something's you know transitioning mutable style into what's going to be birthed into aries season so it's um i don't know what any thoughts gray on that at all or shall we, shall we move to Aries?
1: <laughs> I think that was good. What you said Yeah. I think we should move into the Aries ingress because it was just kind of continuing what you're saying.
0: Okay. So let I us I think that
1: it. was good. Yeah. I mean, I think the, um, because Aries ingress basically has that Venus Mars squaring.
0: Yeah.
1: You're once Um,
0: let's get old Aries up here. So yeah. Uh, march 20th 2022 the aries ingress so here we have the chart for washington um we got a gemini rising so we've got a mutable where last last couple of years i think our aries ri- our aries uh, ingresses have been fixed signs uh keeping one chart for the entire year as like the primary chart but uh when you have the mutable we'll have uh libra chart will take precedence too right gray that traditionally speaking oh
1: yeah yeah that's true yeah so we, we, we would want to for this with being gemini here yeah we probably also want to look at the libra one having a lot of weight it would this it may not be like we're this is like the definitive chart of the whole year from that theory yeah and- i was just i was just thinking like um not to make i mean i think the people's worries about the supreme court are sort of reflected in this just with like Venus in between Mars and Saturn in this ninth house. Yes. Actually what, what I just started thinking yes. about relating to that. But also, you know, um the squaring Uranus, there's lots of there's probably been lots of mobilization around that issue too, depending on whatever happens.
0: Yeah. And- there's also
1: the interesting thing that Mercury is like going right in. Mercury's ruling the chart and going right into that Jupiter Neptune.
0: Yeah, and then not the uh
1: and rolling the interesting midheaven. Interesting condition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jupiter's rolling the mid-heaven, but Jupiter's rolling the mid-heaven and um, Mercury's going right into Jupiter. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Well,
0: and side note for the for the US, if you picked up in the uh, Capricorn ingress that we did for 2021, we had a two degrees Pisces rising. So now the, the rising has now moved to the mid-heaven. Um, in this yeah, Aries chart, which is which is interesting because the the rising is kind of that that focus of uh, the country and its citizens, and now they are, you know, that previous degree is now within the more of the head of state and you know the the government, etc. So it makes me wonder the people's influence through the last three months and how that's translated into the agenda of of the higher structures and the in the government or you know, president, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, there's um, also
1: something here where, um, interesting with the Jupiter, I mean, I'm sorry, the ascendants ruled by Mercury and it's fall. So there's something about the fall, fallen quality of the people. Um, but then the moons and Libra about to go into Scorpio. So it's like one of those things, you know, it's like there's about, I mean, it's like seven minutes. It's like about to be a fall, like the moon's about to go into its fall. I know.
0: the. Um, <laughs>
1: separating from Pluto, like separating from Pluto going into the fall of the moon. So that there, and I, when I think about fall, you know, I think about, yeah, again, the coming, bring brought down and that same sort of like underworld initiation and, and needing to go through something um, that, that is part of all this, Dissolution and change in the year ahead, I guess. Is what
0: yeah, I think of. well, and Lib- uh, the thing about the last sign too. it being like the last straw to some extent too. like, you know, something is there's a final, you know, last push a last deal, you know, it is the critical degree for whatever reason I think about Libra too, uh, and Libra being back to that justice issue and pushing for, you know, if you know some sort of you know, justice, uh, decision, you know, fairness, equality, um, the fact that it, it you know, it's trining Pluto there in Capricorn with the, the structure and the, uh, in the government systems and, um, and the fact that, uh, Well, it's interesting too, seeing because the moon is representing the people once again, and then we have the country and the citizens also being displayed as Mercury in this fallen position. But at the same time, Mercury is sitting conjunct with its ruler in its domicile. So yeah, it's fallen, but but it's also very held up. Yeah, mm -hmm. Jupiter at the same time, and the people. And the, you know, being that ascendant position in the country is ruled by the same um, planet as the, you know, the midheaven in in the government there. And and
1: And the Biden administration in our country has been trying to push through, you know, well, people don't like it from both sides. Some people think it's too much and some people think it's not enough, but it's still it's kind of a historic level, historic attempts to. Inject money and support into some different things, um, um, and as I was mentioning, Jupiter Neptune, we we see this, we've seen this in history, in the 20th century certainly, um, just kind of like Roosevelt, Obama, um, and so it makes you, yeah, it makes definitely makes me wonder about that because like the Biden administration would be that Pisces Jupiter ruling the Pisces midheaven with Mercury right there. So I don't know that, yeah. I mean, it could be, there could be something there, like something, um, something, some kind of program created to try to address stuff. Perhaps.
0: Yeah. And that, and that could be part of the contention that's happening within the, the, the uh, court systems and the uh, mm-hmm. just, and it could be education related. Cause I know he's pushing for um, the, you know, student loans, that's another thing that he's always talked about um which having higher education there in the ninth and venus in between that mars and saturn there but uh but and there's the but there's the square to uranus that adds that you know yeah and the mars
1: is the mars is applying to uranus but definitely yeah that venus mars squaring uranus just sort of setting up a big tone for that the section ahead which would be again just like really just in, in yeah, what we've been saying all along, just um, instead of just being Saturn, you know, now we got Venus and Mars joining in, giving extra Aquarian, extra Aquarian, you know, catalyzing injection, you know,
0: to you know, this, up the unrest yeah. with
1: the Uranus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, and spoiler with, alert for Libra, Uranus is back, <laughs> at least here in the United States for sure. So just, this is a continuing story
1: yeah um i feel like we should get let us moving keep moving on yeah
0: we are we are going into aries maybe, season
1: i guess we should probably try to go faster through these yeah well, so maybe uh, just kind of give an overview we need or to go- or, or, or yeah because i'm thinking like we're gonna it's gonna be really long I podcast episode of yours
0: and you know <laughs> we have gemini placement we should be able to summarize okay, yeah. long yeah um so, well, we already know that on right after the ingress, we have Mars squaring Uranus, which always adds an interesting component of, uh, of unrest and just destabilization and change and just restlessness anyways. Um, so there is that. Uh, but let's go to that new moon because that new moon energy is interesting. Um, that new moon in Aries uh, around mar okay march 31st um mm-hmm. cuz we got mars saturn and venus they had just gone through a conjunction from like 28th 29th 30th we got yeah
1: so what's what's kind of interesting leading into this we were kind of speaking to when we saw that ingress you know venus and mars basically squaring uranus going towards saturn so at this point i think Mars is almost there. Venus is past it, but like it's really Venus and Mars coming into this new moon, just like fully setting, you know, going from Uranus to Saturn and just setting it off as we, we go into this new moon.
0: Yeah. And, and so what we have to take into consideration too, as, as Mars and Saturn make their cycle, Venus and Saturn make their new cycle, um, we got a starting new moon in Aries, which is always like the breath of spring, like, ah, we're on to whatever the new is. Um, but this is also the time to that Saturn is getting ever so close to its square with the nodes. Um, it's basically on point for that. Uh-huh. So there is that tension of Saturn squaring the nodes. Well, Jupiter is also uh, about to be a sextile position to it too. So there is opportunity for mm-hmm. that growth and that creation and that vision. Uh, but it, it has the real, it has the practicalities of, of Saturn and the limitations uh, too. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, because actually I feel like we can create the best um, that we can create when we have certain limits in place that allow form to be made because it's not just all of everything, you know, it like kind of funnels it into a direction of sorts.
1: Yeah. And the, the name being with Mercury and Chiron sort of just what you're just saying makes me think even more about that. Like, how do we kind of get into facing whatever it's really taking a look at, you know, what are the challenges? What's not working? What are the issues? um, And, um, inject I mean what's nice about the Aries coming in here is it's not really making an aspect with Uranus. I mean except I mean it's semi sextile but um semi sextile but I mean it's not making like a real major as well I guess some people think the semi sex is a major aspect but anyway nah, um oh, nah. what no, I what I,
0: feel I like what Uranus I what I like, like is that
1: <laughs> what I like is that the Aries is is at least Sextiling the Aquarius. So there's sort of a um um, yeah, hopefully there's just a a thing coming in here, like the
0: relationships
1: and our our personal lives are are really broad. This is one of the periods of year where our relationships and things are, are, the Saturn-Uranus interaction gets very personal because of Venus and Mars, um, going from Uranus to Saturn. Um, if, Venus um, is then, now on
0: her way to Jupiter too, which is nice. Now she's, she's, about to go the... <laughs> the,
1: she's about to go into Pisces, right? Um but it's interesting because that's going on. But at the same time, that Jupiter Neptune is getting so close. And what I would hope is, yeah, that that Aries, like agency and fire and spirit, and ability to like to to take action and create some movement and initiate something. There's a way to, yeah, in this period, like find ways to um you know, move forward or face whatever it is you need to deal with.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I feel like this is, this is kind of the trajectory here. So we get this new moon on the 31st, you know, days later, two days later, um, we get the sun, Mercury superior Kazemi mm-hmm. near Chiron. So that it, it's interesting to add that uh, earlier, we are talking about Mercury squaring Chiron during its retrograde, but mm-hmm. that being said um, there's almost like this kind of like, Oh, okay. I, 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 cease there's i don't know i feel like there's uh, some direction that comes within that uh while the same time that you know we're getting this tension of saturn squaring the nodes jupiter's getting closer to neptune which perfects on the 12th we got venus moving into pisces to add to the pisces party um we're moving around to a libra full moon
1: There's something interesting. Yeah, just once we get past that Mars Saturn, there is a big change. I mean, Mars will still be right there with Saturn, but it's just kind of funny that as soon as it just gets past Saturn finally, Venus just goes into Pisces. So the emphasis gets taken away from the that Mars Saturn. Yeah, and like we we're saying, once you get especially get here to once Mars goes into Pisces too in mid-April. Now we've got Saturn's. They're just in Aquarius now, and and that Pisces is really, yeah, getting so. And then, I mean, that's, that's kind Jupiter of the.
0: That's almost like the first time that Saturn's like alone again. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like yeah. Saturn's like okay, well, I'm a, I'm doing this over here. I just made it through my my bending square with the nodes. You know, like it's got a lot of Saturnian action until about mid-April when everything gets a little more Jupiterian Piscean. Um, but also has that Aries element and the Libra element because, and to bring relationships back into it and and justice movements and the Um, you know, Libra related uh, Venusian energy. Now that she's exalted in Pisces, we have an interesting full moon on April 16th. that brings Pluto back into the, into the fray with a a T square to Pluto. So Pluto's back.
1: Can't ever get away from Pluto this year.
0: You can't get away from Pluto. Uh, We got Mercury conjunct Uranus too. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, the other
1: thing is um, this is taking us into the, we're about to go into the Taurus season. Where the sun will be heading there, but yeah, Mercury is the first one to actually get to Uranus. Um, yes. but we'll start seeing that happen, yeah. Um, so there's more of that emphasis coming in here, um, and that's why a little bit after this, you know, Mercury will actually get across that north node, so like that Kala Serpa time serpent, oh, everything in between the nodes. It. This is when we're getting closer to it finally breaking out because Mercury will go over Uranus and then cross that North node and get out of there.
0: Yeah. So I have a feeling around the mid April, we're going to have a pretty dynamic period because obviously we got that Venus ruled full moon. We got Pluto back in the action. We got Venus Venus
1: is um, sextile. The Uranus Mercury. So there's, yeah, it definitely seems like a full moon where you can be working, be really working with some stuff here. And yeah.
0: Well, and it also, uh, it also elevates the Jupiter Neptune conjunction that just happened too, because, you know, the moon looks to Venus and Pisces, and then Venus looks to Jupiter there too. Mm -hmm. So there is an element of it all, especially with Mercury and Uranus and the North node and Taurus that it's a Venusian story, but it's also that it's also a Jupiter Neptune story that is taking place, uh, mid April. Um, so I don't know. I kind of feel, I kind of feel good about that. It's got that Pluto's tension, you know, things be, things be a changing, but at the same time, it could be rather exciting. And uh, uh, to some, some degree, especially it, uh, relationally, I, I think.
1: Yeah. And then if you want to go into the Taurus
0: yeah, so let's the year then, Let's head on over to Taurus. Taurus. Once we
1: get into the sun goes into Taurus, that season of the year, um, this is a.
0: There's our Mercury conjunction. This is a
1: period where things start getting. I mean, it's a a really interesting one. I mean, there's a lot of um, it's basically a eclipse season starts happening and we're going to get the first Taurus solar eclipse and the first Scorpio lunar eclipse. And so, and we can see how, um, yeah, Mercury is getting across that North node finally, and Uranus is getting closer to the North node, um, and um, Venus rules the North node, and it's going into the Jupiter-Neptune. So we're going to get... Um, um, Mercury's also squaring Saturn. So, um, Mercury has, you know, in that time between that full moon and the sun going into, to, uh, early Taurus, Mercury moves across that Saturn Uranus square across the North node. Um, so Mercury is sort of like, like the, like the leading edge of, of tuning into that whole dynamic. But, um, we, when we get to the end of the month, um, Pluto stations retrograde on the 29th. And then there's the solar eclipse in Taurus on April 30th. And it's happening basically at the same time that Venus is with Jupiter.
0: Yeah. It's like April 27th through the 30th, basically the end of April. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of, a lot of juice. Cause we have Venus, Neptune, and Jupiter all together in a conjunction. Like you said, that Pluto is stationing and it's the dark hours uh, before we get our first eclipse or at least our first solar eclipse in this axis. so um it's a it's an interesting space to be in
1: i mean for, i think that sure. just on personal personal life yeah this would be a period where i would hope um there could be some creative breakthroughs and things like that. Certainly, with with Venus involved with Jupiter and Neptune too, there could be some disillusioning experiences happening um, with that whole combination. Though it would be most likely, though, even if it is disillusioning, it's it's going to be revealing these like important truths that you needed to understand. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So this is a, this is in a solar eclipse, right? With Uranus, it's a little. It's not like a total solar eclipse because they're a little far from the nodes, but this is the first actual solar eclipse we get with Uranus. Um, and so that sextile by whole sign with the Venus, Neptune, Jupiter um, is, and, and, you know, they're also basically Venus is trying um, sextile, the North node and trining the South node. Mars is ruling the South node, you know, widely, Training the south node so um, all the, the nodal rulers are in pisces um, hopefully this is one of those like um you know chaos, chaotic eclipses but there's something really creative coming out of it new forms coming out of it um all the stuff we were talking earlier about the the, the taurus activation of the nodes and uranus um, would, would apply here um which again to me would be like not you know trying to like slow down and you know really process and work and work with what's happening here um seeing what needs to change um reformulate cool. revision you know mm. something. but it seems to really i mean i think there's a lot of um it's very dynamic and I'm personally, I, I like it. I'm not, I like it too. I'm like, I'm, I kind of like this. <laughs>
0: I like it too. I mean, you yeah. got the benefics together and it's like Jupiter and Venus both are working with Pluto because they're both about the sextile Pluto yeah. in the chart. Um, there is, and it's interesting having the eclipse near Uranus because yeah, it has that Uranian component, but at the same time, you know, there is that kind of like proximity going on that might, make Uranus less jar, less jarring, you know, um, not this in it's like, as it would be a square or an opposition, you know, when it's closer to the earth or whatever, it's like kind of in, in, I know it's an outer planet, but still it's in within that proximity to the sun that can kind of weaken it a little bit. Um, we got Mercury on the upcoming uh, Kazemi conjunction point. Uh, mm-hmm. that so this, there's foreshadowing at this time to what's going to be seated there, too. So I don't know. I have I, I've got a I've got a good feeling about this one overall. You know, sometimes even if there is some dips and dives to this uh, eclipse at the same time, sometimes we are led to our greatest fortune after we uh, let go of the things that don't, uh, you know, um, aren't going to get us there. And so no matter, I guess all roads are going to lead to something fortunate to some extent, but uh, there could be varying pathways on how to get there.
1: Yeah, I mean, and solar eclipse on Uranus, I'm sure there's going to be very, the same kind of Uranus Saturn seemed to have already been seeing about things, you know, sudden collapses of things and upheavals yeah. and just like rapid changes in directions. That's going to certainly be, be happening here. Um, and so again, it'll be a period where we're, we're a much more volatile collective period. So there'll be needs at times to kind of like, how do you, how do you kind of reorient to what you need to pay attention to in your personal life and, Some people, whatever those big current events are, some people will be obviously wrapped up in their personal lives within them too, um, whatever does end up happening. But definitely, we know rapid changes and big breakthroughs happening here.
0: Yeah. And so how it's going to basically go down for the rest of Taurus is that basically we have the sun move to conjunct uh, Uranus on Mm -hmm. uh, Cinco de Mayo uh, on the 5th of May. Uh, then we have uh, big news on the 10th is when Jupiter is going to move into Aries and cross the Aries yeah. point, uh, which we'll touch on here in a second. Um, and then we will add. And that's to- basically
1: right when Mercury goes retrograde. Um, I think it's oh, May 10th. Yeah. So the thing about Mercury going into Gemini we mentioned earlier, this means it's going to station retrograde and it's going to go back and it's going to end up going back to Taurus. So, um, yeah, May 10th, Jupiter goes into Aries, Mercury stations retrograde pretty early Gemini. So what ends up happening is we end up with a nice, um, Mercury retrograde back to sextile Jupiter freshly into Aries, Aries you know, yeah. but, like though so, um, I actually feel like that's a really nice aspect for the beginning of this Mercury retrograde with, um, sort of revisioning or, Getting a sense of what you want to be kind of um, releasing, but also making space for like the new ideas and things that want to be coming in here. Mercury being really strong in its own sign. Um, the Kazimi will also be like right the inferior conjunction with the sun will be like zero, Gemini. Um, so it'll actually be in the sign of Gemini and um, hopefully a lot of really powerful new ideas seated, you know, that's sextiling that Jupiter and Aries. Yeah. Um
0: Jupiter and Aries, you know, there there is something to be said about fresh starts of Aries and having Jupiter there. Uh, and at
1: zero and degrees it, is uh close to Alcyon and the Pleiades. And I think it's kind of interesting because the Pleiades, one of the Pleiades stars, is named for Maya, who's like the mother of Hermes in myth. So there's kind of an a neat thing of Mercury, I don't know, being in the heart of the sun and retrograde, kind of near where his mythical mythical mom mom star is but um yeah Jupiter going into Pisces like you mentioned it's a big deal because like the zero Aries point is you know being like this world axis point it it tends to be a thing where things really kind of manifest and are brought really strongly in and so um yeah it just seems like this is like a, a, a big a really nice place for like big ideas and vision and and um Jupiter will no longer be in its own sign um but Jupiter does have some affinity for the fire signs they are diurnal signs so um Jupiter does fine in fire in Aries um it's just not in its home mm. sign anymore so no, now that's it's in its term Mars.
0: so yeah it isn't
1: you're right it's in its term at the beginning
0: so, so yeah actually nice. I think the whole first
1: um <laughs> You're right. Actually, it's a great point that um, I think actually for all of 2022, Jupiter's time in Aries will be within its own bounds,
0: or at least in the terms. bounds of a uh, of a benefic um, with Jupiter and Venus yeah. there. So that's that's nice. I I like it. I I feel like. Um, it's almost like it takes the spirit of the Pisces and what seated in Neptune, and now it's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm gonna let me go. <laughs> let me yeah, go.
1: but be, but being it's so in its own bounds, it definitely has dominion there to, to get get some things some done things for it. So, yeah. yeah, like um, Jupiterian qualities brought in, and so it it makes me think very much of like, especially with the Mercury retrograde coming in here. Like this, these are like very kind of breakthrough ideas and letting yourself really kind of release what's been in the way or or let go of things and change like the, the patterns that need to be changed and um try to grab hold of that creative vision that's available right here of meaning to 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 bring forward through the rest of the year
0: yeah so let us move on to our uh, our eclipse here, our next eclipse. Because yeah. keep in mind, this is all happening during an eclipse portal where we just had yeah, our first, eclipses. you know, this is, you know, the end of April through, you know, mid-ish later May is very potent um, in the astrological story. And I'm thinking, great, I, this one I'm thinking, tell me if you uh, agree, uh, I'm thinking maybe we spend the... DM- like we'll go through our Gemini and then we will just blast through some super simple stuff for okay, the second yeah. end of the year. And then we'll, sure. come, we'll come back mid year and, okay. and do our, DC yeah. Yeah. Event. That sounds,
1: that you sounds do good. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good, good for this, where we've gotten so far. <laughs>
0: yeah. And we can just give some quick highlights for the rest yeah. of the year um, and, and then go into much more detail like we're doing now. So May 15th we have our solar uh excuse me lunar, lunar eclipse in Scorpio uh we're kind of very close to the nodes there um but most importantly in a t square to Saturn <laughs> in Aquarius so Saturn comes into this picture um to close out our eclipse portal here um and but there is at the same time the luminaries are flowing with Mars and Neptune who are about to meet in a conjunction, too. So and zero degree Jupiter on the that Aries point. Uh, so there's some interesting things going on there. What what do you think, Gray?
1: Yeah. No. Th- um, this is a real. This is a total lunar eclipse, um, squaring Saturn. Um, you know, it's it's aligned with Uranus. Um, yeah, I mean, just really m- the massive change. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's a massive me to,
0: change. <laughs> it really
1: is. This is just putting everything to a to a head. I mean, it's not a um, easy looking eclipse, but no. um, with Saturn squaring it, I mean, it's. I feel like yeah, it's like things get really th- things get real just really having to deal with whatever's going on at this point in the year. And, um, it's going to be, um, yeah, just big changes relating to what, whatever trajectory of, of things are going on in your life at this point. Um, it's interesting, like you're saying, yeah, the Mars, Neptune, Mars ruling the eclipse with Neptune, trining it. I mean, that's a favorable aspect. Um, so that's something to be said, but Mars Neptune, you know, um,
0: yeah, can go once, a lot of different it can go I a lot know. of different
1: ways, and so um, in um,
0: well, we have to keep in mind that uh, as we get Scorpio lunar eclipses, that is also the fallen position of the moon too. So there is an interesting quality of just having eclipses. In score you know, lunar eclipses in Scorpio, and then having mm-hmm. them under the dominion of uh, Mars and uh, a shifty Mars Neptune in, in Pisces that is uh, has a diffused quality. Um, you know, it makes me think a little
1: bit. So like the, the you know the Taurus and the full moon in Scorpio is often associated with like the story of the Buddha. You know, like they say, mm. born at a Scorpio full moon. I think um, the Taurus Scorpio axis like that and with the Mars and Neptune, you know, some of the things about just trying to be really present and being in the moment with what's going on and, and um, because that Mars and Neptune could get really carried away, you know, emotionally and all, you know, that can go in a lot of directions, but it could, if we can be really present and, really look at what's going on and i think i think that some of those qualities i'm just i just I sort of associate with buddhism i feel like actually would be helpful for this that's like I know, i'm like you better get your loving
0: kindness out because just uh... <laughs> really
1: thinking about relating to this um yeah um Yeah, it's a it's a it's a major um, eclipse. So and then so like the thing I was speaking about earlier, I kind of jumped ahead to what happened after this, actually, where the Mercury and the sun come together and they're sextiling Jupiter. So that will that will occur in the wake of this. Um, When we get this lunar eclipse, Mercury is heading towards the sun. And so this is also in the period where we're really wanting to let go of attachment to old ideas and like letting Mercury burn up what needs to be released and that sort of thing. It's also a South node lunar eclipse, um, where, so the sun's on the end of the North node, there's sort of like new growth and things coming in, but then, um, there's something from the past being kind of released at, as part of whatever that sun well north node growth aspect is which 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 lines up really well with mercury retrograde at the same time
0: yeah and it made me think of when we were like sh- having such shining uh you know comments on the the um, solar eclipse and how it has those growth elements of having venus and jupiter together with the taurus solar eclipse you know like a lot of times when we grow in life um we can't like hold on to other parts, you know, and so we might be growing in the area of the North node and that Taurus energy in our life. And there's something about Scorpio that it's like, okay, well, you know, this is Talking about the Scorpio that has to be let like, go of, has to be, it's draining. It has to be sacrificed in the sense of mm-hmm. Mars and Pluto, or Mars and Neptune together. Uh, Saturn's like, no, there's Saturn square is like, no, there's no other option. Like this is an obstacle and this has to go in order to move to what's being started with the solar eclipse. And so it can be very emotional and, and trying with the, the Saturnian component with the uh, Scorpio moon, you know, uh, and. But the processing, like you said, with Mercury retrograde at this time, um, that I don't know. I think it's it's in the service of the longer range uh picture. And yeah, so we just have to yeah. accept
1: <laughs> and just going back to that previous solar eclipse, just for a second, with the you know, Jupiter, Neptune, Venus, again, why I think the whole thing about this whole process as I mentioned before, but trying to go slower and really go into things and deepen into things and understand what's going on and not be in denial, not be avoiding the issues, and just if you're kind of working with that slower process of really getting in contact with stuff, that will help you stay grounded because I think kind of feel like if if you were to, you know, the uh, Venus Jupiter Neptune and Jupiter Neptune could go too extreme, like out of like you're not really connected this is not really aligned with, you know, you could go too far in a um, direction that's, that's unbound from
0: reality parts of reality. <laughs> no, you yeah. have to really be
1: paying attention to. So if that was going on, I feel like, yeah, that lunar eclipse scoring Saturn, it's just like,
0: it's going to be like, like reality like, check. Like
1: that. Yeah. Reality check. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then, the, then the, um, continuing that with the, yeah, the, the sun goes into Gemini um, Mercury's conjunct the sun um, it's sextile Jupiter, like we mentioned, um, that can hopefully help sort of like as part of the recovery of, um, this eclipse. And then basically then Mercury goes back into Taurus. Um, and, and as that's happening, um, this Gemini season is, in pretty early on around March, May 24th, Mars goes into Aries. There's Mars in Aries. So now we get Mars into its sign. And I feel like this is another, this is a period where we've been in, we've been in a big dissolution kind of phase. And now it's kind of like, you know, the pace is like picking up up, and how do we, how do we (laughs) kind of deal? We're not being dealing with responding to things, whatever the big change, the things that came through with that eclipse, because they get Mars coming together with, um jupiter
0: we got um, yeah so mars venus is uh,
1: sextiling saturn there's a lot of aries happening there and then the sun's in gemini um well in
0: so, venus so basically at, so at the start here mars enters aries makes that it goes slowly to make that conjunction It's in proximity to jupiter and aries mm-hmm. but at the same time we do have venus uh, squaring Pluto too. So there's something oh, yeah, that said about line. Venus squaring Pluto while we have Mercury Venus. retrograding over there in the North node. And so there is Pluto's back basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this would be Venus coming back to be in a hard aspect with Pluto again since all that retrograde time period.
0: Yes, yeah, So it's kind of, um, it's the, it's like the opening square of her story with Pluto and mm-hmm. that back and forth uh, story there that mm-hmm. she started um
1: yeah that would to so that, that 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 some yeah my stuff might come up from that again um i like but, the mars jupiter though just mars jupiter in aries and the Sun and gemini that, that seems like there's something there about um really being able to get some um more coherence about the vision kind of coming in, or meaning going forward with the Jupiter and Aries, and then like you're showing here, Venus then goes into Taurus. Um, so now we have, you know, like the the, 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 the the Uranus again is getting, as Uranus is getting closer to the North Node, we have now Venus in Taurus coming towards it with Mercury retrograde in Taurus, um, squaring Saturn,
0: which basically brings us to our Gemini New Moon. Mm -hmm. um that has that is basically has those signatures to it um with mars jupiter conjunct Mm -hmm. venus and we got a lot we got uh yeah we got mars and venus and domicile there uh venus heading to uranus we got uh mercury round in the bend again with a square with saturn (laughs) but now retrograde so they're the ruler of this new moon is uh still retrograde and square Saturn and nearing that North node there. So, uh, we get, yeah, to and, and so Saturn.
1: Mercury and, uh, right around when this is happening, Mercury and Saturn are basically stationing. And so days later, I think it's June 3rd, that Mercury stations direct and June 4th, Saturn stations retrograde. So they're, they're, they're both,
0: uh, so we got a stationing. really
1: activated and, and they're basically stationing in range of a square to each other. Um, so that gets locked in place for longer than normal with Mercury squaring yes. Saturn. Um, and that's happening at the same time that Venus is, you know, inching up on Uranus as you, Oh, you're starting to show it, but, Oh yeah. I was okay. just gonna,
0: I'm dancing over the Mercury <laughs> yeah. Saturn square. Yeah. Get used to that. Um.
1: um, but, but, um, yeah, anyway, um, I mean, Venus doesn't get to Uranus until what June 11th, I think.
0: Yeah, June eleventh. There, so it's
1: about a week. She gets there about a week after they station. Yeah. yeah. So, w- w- when she gets there, um, where's Mercury? Yeah, Mercury's still. You know, it's still basically squaring Saturn, but now it's trining, trining Pluto, training Pluto. Right.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting to be said about just that Mercury retrograde period in general, is it? Uh, once it moves back into the, the earth sign in Taurus, it, it it does a dance with the trine with Pluto and then has that tension with Saturn. There. Yeah, so, so this total. is like,
1: And so maybe people hopefully can hear a sense of how, like, this is why I'm kind of saying, like, not things just keep. I mean, I, I know everything's always changing, but you can hopefully kind of get a sense of like stuff just keeps coming in. I mean, but what, what I like about this is it seems like stuff that's, that's workable. Like the sun's trining Saturn, you know, we're, we're getting the Venus Uranus yeah. and the North Node, but the Mercury's trining Pluto. You know, like there's, um, it seems like lots of stuff changing, and 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 um, you know, this is a big. This is and, and because Venus is in her own sign, you know, she's receiving Uranus, she's ruling the North Node, coming to conjoin us, and you know, there, there's a, it's it's definitely um, the whole process of the the whole Taurus process here gets really amplified and kind of accelerated. Um, but hopefully it can be a really, you know, um, creative time. I mean, of course, as she's coming in there to make contact with all those things, she's also then coming to the square with Saturn. Yeah. So, um, this is again, why that Uranus Saturn square just kind of never just really keeps goes on away.
0: coming. Yeah. But... We keep,
1: we keep getting connected back into it. And so relationships and our, our values and, um, are all getting Brought into it really strongly here. Yeah. And she goes across it in mid-June. Yeah.
0: So she basically around mid-June, we have uh, her, it's interesting to note at this time too, once we get to mid-June is that we have Mercury, Venus, and Mars all in domicile. They're all in their own signs. So there is that the planetary strength going on, but she does make the conjunction to The North Node. uh, And, you know, keep in mind, this is the ruler of the North Node. So it's something to be said when Venus crosses over it. Um, There's a purity of mission there, it seems. But it's the same time that we have the Sun trining uh, Saturn. Uh, So we get some resolve, I think, uh, with that the Saturnian element and, uh, you know, the idea of where we're creating structure and boundary in our life and what we're building, what the vision is. Um, and Mercury is leaving its shadow phase too. So it seems, seems nice once we get to about mid June of like, okay, I, I see where this is going. We have planetary strength to get us there. Saturn's now retrograde and easing up a little bit. We've got a Gemini or excuse me, Sagittarius, uh full moon that happens on the 14th of June. And so there's always that It could be that optimism that comes in, um, with Sagittarius energy, especially now that it's backed by Jupiter and Aries, which is more fiery and, you know, the moon will make a trine to Jupiter and, uh, Mars in those, uh, fire signs right before. So I feel like it's a good boosting, um, can be a combustible full moon too, but, uh, it's, it's a good boosting for just enthusiasm, um, to yeah. some respect.
1: I think, yeah, definitely. I agree with all that. Do you want to jump to... Um,
0: to our roundup?
1: Answer? Or, 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 yeah. Or I don't know how you want to do that. Yeah, you can tell me what you want to do. I
0: feel like maybe... Uh, I feel like what we should do... What do I feel like what we should do? Or just end
1: with the first... We could start with the first quarter or just mention briefly what happens...
0: Yeah. So the shape um, of the
1: second second half of the year.
0: Yeah. So basically, because I do have everything laid out here. So maybe I'll just list it off and then whatever seems like stands out most. Um we'll riff on for a minute or two. Uh, but we'll go into like the juicy details. Okay. Um at uh in in another in another broadcast, because you know what, there's just so much to get through. And once again, we got, we've got, we got Gemini placements can't just gloss over. Um, <laughs> so in cancer season, uh, we have basically, we're going to have a new moon. That's going to be squaring Jupiter, uh, in Aries. And oh, I can probably like do these just on the chart. We had a new moon that's squaring Jupiter and Aries with Mars and Aries squaring Pluto. So we got Pluto back on the scene again uh neptune stationing uh retrograde in late june and early july so that's a jupiterian new moon we then have mars moving into taurus so out of domicile entering the taurus arena
1: yeah Um, i mean actually that that part's big because just a note because once mm -hmm. that happens mars is you know it's going to be the end of july um and going into August when Mars gets there, but it starts as like Mars heading towards Uranus in the north, then they're all going to come together there. So it's sort of like, once again, like, yeah. Saturn, you're on the same way.
0: Back, we're back, yeah, we're back. We're back you into it all getting
1: all activated again, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're
0: back into the same thing here. Uh, mm-hmm. So just, yeah, so of note, you know, and that is July 4th, that is Independence Day here. Yeah. And then actually on the 11th of And that's July. right before
1: the July 4th is um, within a week of the second US Pluto return, exactly. Exactly,
0: which will happen on July 11th there, um, which basically goes on to lead us into... Uh, Plutonian full moon there where the moon is going to be decently close or on its way um, to Pluto enough to where we are back at that theme (laughs) again, Mm -hmm. Um, especially while we have. So in the U S we're going to see definitely Plutonian themes that are happening. uh, And we have to note that the North node and Uranus are getting ever closer to each other. Too. So there is that uranium component that is just happening everywhere in the world, um, that is adding to you know restlessness, uh, something destabilizing, uh, j- activism, uh, scientific breakthrough, um, just you know just this eruption into new form. Uh, so just FYI for for that. Um, and then we have, it's interesting because at that time too, Venus is going to square Neptune around the same time on the 13th. And I just want to point this out as we get to planets, Mercury has already been here, but as we get to planets that are in the tail end of gemini that are squaring neptune i feel like we're getting uh mars foreshadowing because what's going to happen later this year that i'll just summarize now to get it over with is we have mars that is going to be slowing down once it gets into gemini to be there for like seven months i mean it's a really long time that mars is going to be in gemini but it's going to station retrograde uh, and in the later part of the year in October, right? Gray, do I have that right? October. Um, yeah, basically I think so. Yeah. And so what Mars is going to do is it's going to station, but it's going to be in a square to Neptune. So it's interesting to think about when we were talking about Mars and Neptune conjunct earlier in that lunation, uh, of the eclipse of the Scorpio eclipse, there's something to be said about that conjunction because there's more that's going to play out in that eclipse signature because of Mars going to uh retrograde um with that square to Neptune uh, mm-hmm. on October 30th. And so any planet that rolls over this point, I feel like we're going to get some Mars foreshadowing, but I just wanted to point out that in the last three, two, well, it'll be three years now. We first had Venus retrograde in that same position, squaring Neptune in 2021, we had Mercury in the same position, squaring Neptune. And so now this is like the last piece of the puzzle of Mars rolling over this point. And so this is not, we've had this Neptune story that has been continuing and continuing between Gemini and Pisces. And Mars is going to be playing out this last component of it in October and November and, you know, December and, you know, a long time. <laughs> so I just kind of, I might've derailed our, us a little bit there, but I figured that was the time to talk about it.
1: Yeah. I had an idea. I mean, you could just what about we just end, we kind of end with, uh, uh, Mars, Uranus, North mid <laughs> or I mean, or, we could, or we could just try to do a really quick summary of the rest of the year. Um, yeah, you're, you you got to. I feel like I feel like I, it's hard to it'll be hard to go. I don't yeah, know. it's
0: it's hard to it's hard to just sum it up basically. Yeah, it,
1: it kind of um, is. I was thinking, I think it would be hard.
0: Yeah, so uh,
1: it might be better to come back to it.
0: Yeah, so basically, I think once we get past that cancer point, um, some of the most significant. Uh, parts of the year, uh, which we talked about earlier were the Uranus North node conjunction, which is going to happen, I believe around late July.
1: Yeah. So once we are so yeah. So like the one thing, yeah. The Leo, like the Leo has been a missing piece, right. And, and, um, um, of the Leo Scorpio Taurus thing, um, which makes me think a lot about, you know, our sovereignty, our sort of coherence creative radiance um like the good qualities of leo just to be kind of keeping in mind amidst all these changes happening um but yeah once the sun sun and mercury both are going into leo and um but it's at the, the very end of july and beginning of august that we get the lineup of um uranus mars north node um And that'll all that'll all be happening after, you know, Mercury will already have kind of shot through to um, square Uranus. And I guess Mercury is basically opposing Saturn, just as that's all
0: Uh, that's all all happening. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then Mars, that's another interesting thing too, is that Mars meets with Uranus and the North node at the same time. So the, that's an extra
1: element we, we didn't have in those, when we, when we mentioned, when we started off talking about that, Yeah, that was one piece, um, we, that is, makes us a little bit different. Right. Cause now we got a Mars, Mars is there too.
0: Yeah. So, and with with, them. And that's, it's an interesting point because Mars starts a cycle there with Uranus too. So there is an extra, there's, there's a lot of, there's high energy to this particular time period, especially with Mars and the condition it's in there too. So it's a little um, weaker uh, or not weaker, but you know, it's, it's.
1: I mean, one nice thing is that Venus is in cancer, sextiling sextiling Mars at least. So Venus is in over there in cancer sex styling, all of this. So it makes me think a lot about the, um, again, we we're talking about Taurus and like, you know, um, be open to change kind of work on form, you know, that process of bringing things into form, but like with the Venus and cancer, it makes me think of like, more like intimacy and like safe containers. And when, when, when possible in your personal sphere to be creating this like containment for this, which could be very vol extremely volatile and implosive type of situations kind of erupting around us. i mean we yeah. don't know what will happen but it's it's a lot of it's extreme like the extremity of like taurus push to change and
0: but it's like we have the support we have the the support of venus and, and the people around us and our home yeah, and our some... family and mm-hmm. and and, uh, cancerian energy there too. And it's like the first, uh, you know, Ptolemaic aspect after she's made all her, they made their conjunctions in February and March. So there's like a, there's a Venus Mars story going on at the same time with the Uranus action. And Venus is the one in cancer there that is ruling you know, all the action that's going down with Mars and Uranus in the North node. So it's nice Makes that she's think the, at least, you know, helping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
1: it's just like the value that we, the value of our relationships, the value, like really valuing relationships and relating and, it's and uh, like periods of this that there's, you know, when you, when you have that and you've been cultivating that and it's not all just on like material production and you know that at the at the expense of like your relationships, like times like this, you'll want to be drawing on that support, and like Venus is right there to support this.
0: Yeah, remember the the support of the of the family and the loved ones, and and the comforts of the home. But you can <laughs> so see yeah. here
1: like how volatile it is, because like you know, but the Sun you can see here comes the Sun to square that Taurus. There's Mercury opposing Saturn, obviously Mars within, go from Uranus to square Saturn. So, this is like a period where this is a tense very, period. <laughs> it's really lots of stuff, yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, basically, look, Leo season is going to be a little hairy, but it's also the missing piece to yeah. what has been going on. And so, I think the next thing that uh, is significant is actually when Mars moves into Gemini on yeah, August. Yeah, that would 19th. be a good
1: point to make because august
0: 20th i mean it's got to be there till like march of 2023 like that's yeah that's i looked long. it up
1: i wrote down march twenty sixth of 2023 i don't i think that might be accurate I, I tried to look that up and i think that's right so from this point until late yeah um, yep
0: yeah, pretty much uh march 25th is when it moves into cancer so
1: on march 25th okay
0: that is a long long time <laughs> Of Mars and Gemini. And I have Mars and Gemini and I'm like, that's too much Mars and Gemini. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. So that this is going to be significant We we feel this shift because it's going to be the introductory of like, what is, you know, the, the Mars and Gemini story is going to be very on the scene basically um, until Mars goes retrograde august 30th or not august i'm sorry october 30th i'm just trying to get rid of it already i'm like hurry up do your thing um
1: yeah and what's significant with that is of course jupiter is back into pisces then to so we have the jupiter neptune coming back together again and then mars is like squaring it um
0: yeah so basically when we get into a ecl- eclipse season so when we get back into eclipse season um October about is it 25th um yeah October 25th when we have our uh solar eclipse in Scorpio uh with Venus right there so she's in her, her superior conjunction with the the sun uh and this is a south node eclipse um there is like a whole bunch of things that happen basically starting this point uh because like you said we have jupiter moving back into pisces on um what is it just a few days afterwards on october 27th 28th um and then we have mars stationing retrograde squaring essentially squaring neptune on the 30th so yeah and we're right in the smack dab in the middle of eclipse season that takes us to a Taurus lunar eclipse can exactly conjunct Uranus on November 8th. So we know this is going to be a significant time period, don't we?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and, 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 and in the way that Mars retrograde periods so, though, can ultimately really get us connected, um, to, um, deeper desires. Um, There's something about it squaring the Jupiter Neptune where there's all sorts of interpretations you could have for that, I think. But if we think about um, this quality of um, aligning it to this like higher purpose, like somehow getting into touch with like this higher purpose of your Mars and how you're using your will and how can it serve these um, this like larger, larger purpose um, within the collective? Um, what's what's that meaning to uncover here? Um, I think that could be a way of working with it.
0: Yeah, and it, it's probably going to get a little squirrely just because we do we do have an eclipse, South Node eclipse happening, and with the, and then a a North Node lunar eclipse conjunct Uranus and yeah, it's and really Mars. Tight. And Mars um, conjunct to, you know, our Mars and Gemini, just in general, speaking as a native, there's a really, uh, restless quality to that, um, just in general. So it could be a very anxious time with Uranian influence with Mars and Gemini, uh, with Mercury, you know, making its superior conjunction with the sun and Scorpio and going over the, uh, the South node. And so there's just, um, is definitely a time to get to those grounding principles we were talking about uh, earlier and really taking your time with it, because there's probably going to be an element to this latter part of the year where we're going to want to make haste, but that can be, uh, you know, to relieve mental pressure, but that can actually be uh, shooting ourselves in the foot to some extent, because there's a Neptunian quality to it. Uh, the Uranian quality to it, the Mercury on the South node. And so we just really need to take our time with this Mars and Gemini, I think.
1: And and, and speaking of Mars and Gemini, you know, it's ruled by Mercury, which is like in going into the heart of the sun when this happens. So Mercury is like really in the dark, but about to be, you know, it's going to go through the superior conjunction. So it's really working with, Mercury is really in there with the mystery of this eclipse. Um, And it's interesting to me that series just we brought her up at the beginning series speaking of the mystery initiation to the mysteries she's over there in virgo and Mercury's sign sextiling mercury in the sun you know venus is in this going through her long underworld journey at this point you know where she's over on the other side of the sun close to it um she we i'm glad you did because i don't have time for it, but we she had a superior there's a venus superior conjunction at the end of libra prior to this, um, this moment, but Venus is still not visible, you know? So there's a real, like in the darkness, how do how are you mediating all this change and yeah, working with it and what's the essential vision, um, Mars desire that can kind of come out of this and serve this like larger purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah. Take, yeah. Take your time. With, with the because with the, there will be pressure, but there's so much to still be revealed. Um, I think within all of this, and so there's something to be said about the last couple months of 2022 and how it is an interesting within sort of like waiting game. A lot is percolating, a lot is shifting, but there's still so much to be rethought in order for us to you know move forward and and get our heads together about it and you know how we perceive things especially since it the end of the year ends in that mercury going um retrograde again uh yeah and and
1: at the end of the year around the solstice i mean by the time we get there um speaking of venus being in the underworld here what, what i like is she's coming out and she's visible she's becoming visible as an evening star um, and that's happening you're right just as mercury's going retrograde um, she's back with pluto just like we start the year but she's also now instead of her going retrograde right to go into the darkness like we began the year um, it's kind of neat that at the end of the year she's coming out of the darkness and she's becoming the um, venus evening star here um, going back into pluto once again so um, I think that really speaks to the, the depth of the year and what could ultimately be brought forth. Um, and just like we we're saying, you know, keeping an open mind and st- staying in your integrity, going, you know, taking your time, but, you know, all that stuff we've been talking about. Um, being able to relate to people, listen to people, even if you disagree with people, letting the disagreement, you know, um, help, help, uh, help you, Understand things more, change your mind when needed, you know, that like all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a but Jupiter I think, back
1: into Aries too, is the other thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, there. I think Jupiter moves back there. into
0: Aries around this time too. So there is, yeah. there is this kind of um, at the very end of the year, after we went through a, a couple of months of eclipse season, uh, obscured you know, Venus and Mercury, Mars retrograde, you know, there seems to be. At that point, something just, there's a a shift that's happening that obviously the new year always brings, but in regards to a larger story that had been brewing during the year that then took a twist, uh, you know, at the end of October, mid-November, there is, I don't know, there's just a, there seems to be just a significant shift that happens here um after this particular point but that'll be for 2023 obviously um but i do find it fascinating how we end both years 2021 and 2022 with this venus mercury pluto
1: yeah that's Um, very interesting
0: especially since we have a north node uh signature with venus and we're moving into venus venus time so we just pay attention to venus um basically (laughs) uh Pay attention to all the planets, but there is something to be said about really following Venus's moves throughout. Maybe we should year. make
1: a, I know pastors, you asked about the tarot card. Maybe we should say the, uh, empress,
0: the empress. <laughs> yes. I drew the empress today. <laughs> okay. Actually. All right. there so you go.
1: We nailed, there we go. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the empress, you know, she was, there's a nurturance. There is a growth aspect. There is a, a mothering. There is a birth of new life, basically, that that comes with it but it's interesting i remember melmoline talking about the venus um the empress card and having the image of a balsamic moon and a, and a waxing crescent on it and hmm. how with the birth of the new there is usually this death of the old that has to happen within the yeah empress. exactly so keep that in mind as we are birthing as, these-
1: what's the uh, scorpio is the death card right, right. yes
0: <laughs> so we have we have death versus the, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: yeah so be
1: the um the empress empress Fa, empress font hierophant for empress
0: yeah so we got empress and here uh so we hierophant. have the empress and hierophant uh mixed with death and tower so <laughs> you know uh there's uh this is some potent cards to work with but um Hopefully you. St- we've shared so Empress, much. Empress leading the
1: mystery <laughs> initiations, maybe. Yeah.
0: There, there we go. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. What is the card that I had today? Was uh, with Benabel Wen's new deck, um, Spirit Keepers Tarot. She says the Empress is Gloria Mundi, Urania's Gate. And oh, nice. That is that is the card right there.
1: That's very cool. I haven't seen that deck.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really enjoy. I'm really enjoying it. Um, just FYI, it is sold out, people. So I don't want to get your hopes up if you're trying to get one. But <laughs> just saying um all right so well gray we're just gonna have to come back and we're gonna have to go for round two like
1: yeah we can have another yeah. we can go through it more detail later
0: and we could catch up on what we said so far too which is always fun yeah. um but thanks for staying with us people so gray where can people find you uh what you got any we kind of talked about what you had going on but any uh remind my yeah,
1: gray crawford.net is my site so you can go there um I may actually create a newsletter I mean, you can subscribe to my blog and I'll usually do updates there. I've been talking about doing that. And if I do, there'll be some link on there to sign up for that. But on my site, you can always see when I'm uh, doing events. Um, I am going to be at ESAR conference in that August time period. We kind of skipped over, but following all that, <laughs>
0: which is interesting.
1: And there'll be some other stuff I'm doing, but you can check out my site. And uh, there's an events page on my site where I usually will put events when they're when they're when they are happening coming up.
0: So, so keep on the know. And Gray's always writing uh, intriguing things to re- uh, to read. So just follow them and you're going to see it pretty much. That's that's the way it works. Um, so, all right, where can you, where can you find me? You can find me at energeticprinciples.com, uh, and on social media, energetic principles too. um, sign up for my newsletter. If you want to get the monthly, uh, uh, (laughs) heaven's gate. I can't believe I almost said heavens. I mean, I said it out loud, so I guess I said it, the heavenly wind, not heaven's gate. It's not a cold. I swear. Um, (laughs) the newsletter that comes out at the beginning of each month where I share detailed astrology, some tarot, some animal uh, ambassadors, et cetera. So you can sign up to my uh, mailing list to get that in your inbox. Um, If you like this podcast, wherever you listen to it, or maybe you watch this on YouTube uh, you can give a review, uh, a comment, a like, or however that works so that it can be shown and spread Uh, around for others to find it, uh, share it with a friend, uh, get the word out that way. If you want to support, uh, either one of us, you could always book consultations, uh, with us, or you can use my tip jar to make a one-time donation, whatever feels right for you. Um, and yeah, so thank you again, gray. It's always a pleasure to chat it up with you about planetary motion.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me here.
0: All right. And thank you everyone for hanging out with us this long. I'm sure you did this in probably two to three parts. We don't blame you. (laughs) I like Uh, how the
1: sun behind me is just set into darkness and night. um, It's like fits the theme of the year. So that's actually pretty good.
0: Me too. We're we're both in the dark here. (laughs) Perfect. So, all right, everyone, well, we'll see you about midway uh, 2022. And until then, may the stars be with you.